Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Ready for this. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk, I'm a long suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We're getting into the world of college football this week. Season starts a few weeks, and we joined in just a bit by Bill Bender of the Sporting News. We're going to break down the college football world, some of the top teams to watch, talk a little realignment, all that good stuff with Bill in just a bit. Make sure you're locking in the show because the Sky Guys are back. We did our movie review a few weeks ago. Now we're getting back into the rewatch here. We're doing season one of Rebels. That's coming up, plus wrapping up the Bad Batch, the last six episodes we'll discuss, and, and end of season one. What could be ahead for season two? That's kind of the end of the show, but okay, I'll start with this week's opening tip with my thoughts on realignment in college football right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. Right, opening tip time here, talking realignment in college football. And we've learned over the years that football money drives the world of college athletics. It's happening again. The craziest started almost two decades ago when the ACC began rating the Big East for the football programs. That was its first run with Miami, Virginia Tech, and Boston College. Then we had the run of about eight, nine years later with Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville that basically broke the old Big East. The carousel... Led to a lot of movement. We had Nebraska going from the Big 12 to the Big 10. Missouri went to the SEC. Texas A&M went to the SEC. Utah ended up in the Big tw- in the Big in the Pac-12. Colorado went there too. All these leagues expanded. The carousel starts spinning again now because Texas, Oklahoma are bailing out of the Big 12, going to the SEC, creating a mega conference based on football powerhouses. Now, besides those two down there, you got Alabama, Auburn. LSU, Georgia, Florida, the list goes on and on and on. Remember a few months ago, which is the 2021 pandemic times, it could be a lot of things, when the top European soccer teams were doing the Super League and they are going to break away from their respective leagues and form their own mega conference. The European soccer fans went absolutely nuts because they said, hey, what are we doing here? We're going to ruin the sport of football. We can't do this. And then the league fell apart. This is what's happening now in college football. This is end up creating further separation from the haves and the have-nots. And the SEC now is going to have 16 teams. If you think that the rest of the leagues are not going to sit there and let the SEC have 16 and basically monopolize college football, I don't know what you were thinking here. These leagues are trying to have counter plans. It's obviously tough because the two biggest prizes on the board, Oklahoma and Texas, are off the board, but... The ACC right now has 14 full-time members. You could look for another school there, another two, to try and get to 16. The Big Ten has 14. Could you go see them maybe look at Kansas and Iowa State to add to their footprint and get to 16? Maybe. The Pac-12 is a potential target to be rated. They could also look to the rating of their own, some of the leftover Big 12 schools. The Big 12 and Pac-12 could work together and say, hey, let's you know combine our forces here and avoid having us be rated. 
the big talk is do the usual, we'll go raid the American and pluck out Cincinnati and Memphis and so on to sort of build our footprint back up again. But all you end up here is a bunch of odd shaping leagues that span wide swaths of the country, have nothing in common geographically. But long-standing rivalries also get torn apart by the shuffling, like how we don't get the backyard brawl between Pitt and West Virginia anymore since they split left, both left the Big East. Kansas, Missouri, and college basketball no longer play after Missouri left the Big 12. Those sides of rivalries start disappearing when you're looking just by the football money. We are heading down the path right now where you end up having four or five mega conferences based on football in a couple of years. And this is important here, remember. We are in a world now where the NCAA has lost a lot of power because of the Supreme Court rule about the NIL and paying athletes and so on and so forth. What is stopping the big leagues from saying, you know what, NCAA, we don't need you anymore. We're going to pull away, do our own thing, have our own football thing. We're not going to use our money to subsidize the smaller schools. We're going to have our own NCAA tournament. We're going to do our own thing. We don't need you guys. If that happens, and the five of them sort of say, okay, we're forming our own sort of rules we're all going to follow, the NCAA tournament, as you know, is gone. Because the big guys are going to say, hey, we don't need little Gonzaga or Villanova coming along to steal our money. They want the team money for themselves, so they're going to take that away. It destroys the event because the little guys make the NCAA tournament. Having your chance at these upsets, stuff like that. If you're having the first round be Duke against Utah, that's not as fun. The non-revenue sports are not a consideration for years. Let's not even talk about them, whether it's baseball, softball, soccer, you name it. Oklahoma to Texas is the beginning of the next cycle. They are the first domino, not the last. We will see what happens here, but I do not like the direction this is going. I am very concerned about the future of college sports here. That being said, we will worry about college sports today in a May college football specifically with Bill Bender right after this call from last year's national championship game, courtesy of ESPN's Chris Fowler. Play action. Jones steps up right down the middle of the field. It's touchdown. Devontae Smith cannot be stopped. A truly special performance by the Heisman Trophy winner. Three touchdowns in the first half. All right, I am back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Getting ready to talk some college football today. Season's coming up a couple of weeks. Joining me today... Somebody heard the podcast before. He covers college football for the sporting news. Bill Bender is here again. Bill, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. I have to say, I know the season's coming up. I feel like all the buzz around the sport now is about this realignment that started with Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC from the Big 12. Like, what's your takeaway been from the start of what appears to be another cycle of realignment? Well, I mean, obviously it's been the focus. Normally at this time of year, I'm ready to start talking about games and those kind of things, but realignment certainly has taken center stage. Um, we'll see if it continues. I, I think, you know, some of the other leagues could kind of take a wait-and-see approach. I know the thing about it was the two biggest prizes of the realignment wheel were taken. So it's really, I think everything else is going to come down to what the Big 12 does next. Yeah, it makes some sense because I feel like there's still eight schools in there. It's, I feel like the logical move them would be just to raid the American to try and pick up some schools. But at the same time, you wonder if how many of the members are going to start looking for greener pastures like the Big Ten or the Pac-12. For sure. And, and I think that's what we're kind of waiting on to see what happens next. And uh, 
once there's some clarity on what the Big 12's next move is, then maybe we end up with four super conferences. Maybe we end up with college football as is, but kind of a 4-2-4 setup in terms of the Big 12 kind of becomes a bridge between the power conferences and the group of five conferences, a lot like the American Athletic Conference is now. Yeah, it makes some sense. I feel like the other big thing to impact the college football this season is the NIL legislation. I and mean, we've seen a lot of these guys starting to get endorsements. I think it's great, but how do you think it will impact the sport this year? I think anything we'll know is just like minor things that we're not going to pay any attention to. Well, I mean, it's obviously going to impact the sport. I mean, there's a lot going on with NIL. And uh, I think it's one of those deals where a lot of it has come up really fast. I mean, we've already seen a quarterback not play his senior season <laughs> in Quinn Ewers to go to Ohio State and not necessarily be guaranteed playing time as a freshman. So at the truly elite level, it matters. And I think along the way, you know, as long as these endorsement deals are done on a case-by-case basis and they're on the up, that it's not going to harm the sport too much. Yeah, I think so. I think the one thing that can harm a sport right now based on what's going on in this country is unfortunately COVID again, where we're in a better spot than we were a year ago, where we weren't even sure if we were going to have a season. But it feels like right now, the thing I'm curious about watching is see what's going to happen with some of these schools, if especially if like some athletes chose not to get the vaccine, what kind of protocols they got to follow. It's getting real. Um, it, it, it is. I mean, obviously with the Delta variant and everything that comes with that, teams are emphasizing High vaccine rates. Teams are emphasizing that they're not. There's not the built-in schedule flexibility that there may have been in the past. So, knowing both of those things, I think it's something that we're going to keep in mind as we move forward. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't get too out of hand. I know, you know, the best thing you can do is, is, you know, it's not really. I'm not making a political statement. I think from a strictly football standpoint, the best thing to do is to get vaccinated. Make sure that. Um, you're as safe as possible so we can have these games on the field with limited interruptions. Yeah, let's talk about some of the games on the field right now. I want to start with Alabama, who won the national title last year. A lot of the big names are gone, but they are still probably the favorite to be number one in the preseason poll. What do you think about Alabama's chances of winning yet another title? Well, I mean, it's a new supporting cast. And I I would never say Alabama's vulnerable because they have so much talent, but even Nick Saban said they're going to be a work in progress. So, you know, the early season schedule, games against Miami, Florida, Texas A&M on October 9th, I, I think we'll know where they're at. But certainly a lot of talent returns. Bryce Young, five-star quarterback. Um, Brian Robinson at running back. Matchy at receiver. I think their defense can be a strength early in the season with guys like Christian Wilson, um, Will Anderson, and then uh, Henry Teoto. I hope I got that right. It's Teoto. And uh, – the Tennessee transfer linebacker with a tricky last name, but a very good player as well. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, playing against even before Oklahoma and Texas get there is not going to be easy. But who is going to think in that league give them the most like of a challenge, the most tough time? Well, that's a tough one. I think Texas A&M seems positioned to do that, and they've got a lot of good players. Um, you know, but they've got a quarterback question as well. So you go from there, and then you look at maybe is it LSU. A lot of talent coming back on their roster. Is it Florida? I, but, no, I, I would say the answer is Georgia. And you know what? I was kind of tempted to pick Georgia to win the SEC based on what they have coming back with JT Daniels, the way they rated the transfer portal, strong defense coming back. But you, we almost need to see them beat Alabama to believe it at this point because you know Georgia's had the talent. They've had the talent the last three years. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's something you want to watch with them for sure. And the other big giant down south trying to make a run national title is Clemson, which obviously whole new world for them. No Trevor Lawrence anymore. Travis at the end went pro. So what does life look like without Trevor Lawrence or Clemson? Well, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think Clemson's got a chance to uh, really prove themselves after back-to-back playoff losses, LSU, um, Ohio State last year. But DNJ, here we go again. DJ Uangalele is a good place to start. Um, he played well in the two starts he was in, and they've got really good running backs around him. Justin Ross returns. I think that defense, much like Alabama, going to be better with guys like Brian Bercy and um, the, the depth that they have on the defensive line. Skalski returned at linebacker. So, I mean, they're the team to beat in the, AS, a, the ACC as usual. Yeah, I would think so. And I think the other league I think is interesting is always the Big Ten because usually Ohio State goes, but I don't think they're as strong as they've been in recent years. Do you think that somebody can push them for that top spot? Because I feel like right now they might be a team, a league that has trouble getting somebody in the playoff if the top of their league doesn't step up. No, I think the talent stable in Ohio State's just fine. Um, they do have a question at quarterback, obviously, with C.J. Stroud stepping in. And anytime you have a guy come in that has never thrown a pass at the college level, makes it interesting. I mentioned Quinn Ewers earlier. You wonder if he'll be a factor at some point. But their receiver room is ridiculous. With Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, with the guys behind them, there's four or five, maybe six first-round picks in that receiver room alone, and then they have depth on the defensive side, too. So I think the talent gap between Ohio State and everybody else in the Big Ten is still very considerable. Sorry if this doesn't make for good podcast material, (laughs) but I mean, when you're looking at the, the big boys, right, it's Clemson, it's Alabama, and it's Ohio State, and it's hard to pick anybody else in those conference. Yeah, I don't blame you, because, I mean, you look at that receiver room, you mentioned Ohio State, that sounds like the Alabama receiver room where they're sending guys to the first round every single year, right? This might become Ohio State now, getting all these guys drafted the pros. Yeah, I mean, they've got a really good team. So, um, you know, and it's about developing that NFL talent. Those three schools have been able to do it as good as anyone. So I guess the real question is, can anyone in those conferences step up, you know? I think Penn State might have a bounce back year in the Big Ten. I like North Carolina where they're at as a program. Do I think they're ready for Clemson? We'll see. I mean, they're the only one on the field other than Notre Dame on a one-year basis that has really challenged Clemson and the ACC on the field. So, And it's two years later with Sam Howe. So I really like where they're going. But it really is tough to pick anybody else. Yeah, it is. I think the other league to watch out for the playoffs probably the Big 12 because you have Oklahoma is always pretty good. And Iowa State's coming along and becoming a big threat in the Big 12. So if you were to look at this league right now, do you think Oklahoma or Ohio, Iowa State's the favorite? Well, I think Oklahoma's the favorite. Uh, again, you know, Spencer Rattler, loaded offense, um, six straight that they've won. I mean, that's ridiculous. And they do, but to your point, Iowa State's the one team that's beat them twice. You know, they, they've Showing they can play with them on the field. And they had everybody come back. Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Mike Rose, Charlie Cooler. That's three of those guys are SM preseason All-Americans. So, Max Campbell definitely has established a really good culture. I think they're going to be able to compete. And and the added factor here that, that has just come up in the last month is, what if this is the last year that Oklahoma and Texas are in the Big 12 and then the SEC kind of pushes it up and gets them in that league next year. This farewell tour will have a lot of animosity in places like Oklahoma State where Oklahoma plays and Baylor where Texas plays. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
I think it's a fascinating year for Iowa State, too, because their team has not always been great. They're on the way up, and you wonder, with the state of the Big 12, maybe this is an audition for them and say, hey, we have another big year. Maybe we catch the Big Ten's eye because we're a good fit in that geographic footprint of the league. That could be an audition for Matt Campbell, too. I mean, a lot of people have tried to link him to the Michigan job if Jim Harbaugh doesn't work out. Um, Iowa State, perfectly reasonable uh, thing there. Uh, they're going to have the highest preseason ranking they've ever had. The expectations are through the roof. They are a really talented team, but this is the same program that lost to Louisiana in September last season. So, And they got to play Iowa, and that's a school that I believe they've only beat once under Matt Campbell. And Iowa's feeling pretty good about where they're at. So they are that kind of X-factor team out of the Big 12 that I'm really watching closely, not just for the season, but everything you just mentioned as well. Yeah, we already talked about Iowa State. Any other sleeper teams you're watching this year you think can make some noise? Not, not necessarily the playoff. It's hard to do better than what people think they will. Well, I mean, Iowa State, North Carolina kind of jump out to me. Um, you know, it's a big year for Penn State. I think Oregon and USC out of the Pac-12. You know, we've, we've gotten this far. I haven't really talked about that conference. But Oregon's quietly loaded. Got a really good quarterback. Well, quarterback's question mark with Anthony Brown. But we know he has talent. They've got great skill position players. They got Kayvon Thibodeau leading that defense. He's a future top three, maybe even number one pick. And they get a big spotlight game against Ohio State to start the season. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly a team that we're keeping an eye on. And USC has recruited a little better the last couple cycles. And they have Keaton Slovis at quarterback. So both of those teams feel really good about where they're at. Yeah, Oregon says it's interesting because obviously the Pac-12 is not got the same level of national attention as the other leagues do. But if they can win that game as Ohio State and they can – Go, I think if they go on defeat, I think they're in. But I think one loss and they have Ohio State win, it's going to be hard for the committee to say keep them out. Well, yeah, and it, it's for sure. And as long as they equip themselves well there and then go win the Pac-12, they'll have a chance. And so they're kind of the one program that really has a chance to get back on the national spotlight. And it's been a long climb back since being in the national championship game in 2014 with that team that had Marcus Mariota. But Oregon, right there. And they're, the other team is kind of, if you're picking off the, the normal four, which, full disclosure, Sporting News picked Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State to reach the playoff. But you're always looking for that little bit of excitement to come around and hopefully uh, jazz up the season a little bit. Yeah, I, I know that right now there is talk that the expansion to the playoff, playoff is coming. I think would be good because, obviously, you can almost write in the four teams before the season even starts. So, like, what do you think about that coming down the pipe? Are we going to get eight or 12 down the line? Well, I think 12 is the most inclusive plan, and now we're kind of in wait to see what that see what happens with the Big 12. Because think about it. If they let six conference champions in, the Big 12 could ther- theoretically sit back and say, hey, we're good, and get an Oklahoma State in the playoff every year, and if it's really about that. So I think that's all remains to be seen. The 12-team playoff will help, and, and it will be the most inclusive format possible. It will hopefully, you know, get the quarterfinals, not just the first round, but the quarterfinals on campus and uh, really generate some enthusiasm for a sport that, you know, I'm trying to sound as excited as I am. But part of me, you know, the difference between the NFL and college football, if you look at the NFL right now and there's double digit teams that can go into the season and at least have a Super Bowl expectation. I don't know if you can say the same about college football right now outside of one hand's worth of teams, maybe four or five that can truly think that they can play for a national championship. Yeah, I do think the playoff will help eventually down the line, as you basically laid out the four that are already in there, and I think, like, if you go a future here where we have 
the power five all send their teams in, one from the group of five, and then the best of the rest. You still have you have a great chance of producing upset. That's more gains that these teams like Alabama or Ohio State actually have to win. Yeah, and, and I think that's what makes it so exciting. Um, you know, and, and that's down the line. They've got a couple years to, to knock all that out, and this was a summer of change. I know last year was a summer of uncertainty with COVID and everything that came with that, whether or not they were going to play. This one's been quite the opposite. So much has happened, and you know, we may look back at 2020 and, and say that was the year that changed it all. And, and in some ways, it already has been. Yeah, do you think this could be something where the realignment wheel and the ro- roller coaster, the carousel, like kind of delays this playoff? I think it's going to kind of be in 2025, what they've been talking about after the current deal expires. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe. But, you know, everything's fluid right now. I just kind of go off what Kirk Ferentz said at Big Ten Media Day, um, that you can't rule anything out. Never say never. Never say it. When I get on Twitter and somebody says, well, so-and-so will never join this conference, I kind of chuckle because when I was 14 years old, and if somebody would have told me, hey, when you're 40, Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC and Nebraska is going to be in the Big Ten, I'd have said, you're crazy. And, and that's where we're at. So, I mean, any change is possible. It's all, a lot of it's driven by money and TV, and, and that'll probably dictate the flow of what happens next. Yeah, for sure. The last thing I want to ask is obviously going into the year, the Heisman, I feel like every year that seems to be a front runner. We haven't really had the front runner win the last few years. Who are some guys you think could be Heisman candidates this year? Well, it's the usuals. I mean, like a Spencer Rattler, DJ Yungalele. We talked about him earlier. Sam Howe, North Carolina. He puts up monster numbers, and if they somehow win the ACC, he'll have a chance. Um, it is typically a quarterback award. Outside of that, it gets tough to see. I mean, I don't know if a receiver can do it again, unless like a guy like Olave or Garrett Wilson has a ridiculous year, maybe Marvin Mims at Oklahoma. Um, and then running back-wise, like a deep sleeper would be John Robinson, the Texas running back, um, based on the fact he averaged 8.2 yards per carry. And I think Steve Sarkeesian will get the most of them. Uh, much like he got out of Najee Harris, who scored 50 total touchdowns at Alabama the last two seasons and still didn't win the award. Absolutely. Bill, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how do you follow social media? Keep up with your coverage over the sporting news. Yeah, we'll have plenty of uh, preseason coverage here over the next few weeks. I'm at Bill Bender 92. Really enjoy what I do over here. And, uh, you know, getting closer and closer to football. It's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward to watching the season. Bill, thanks for all the time. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. A crew of Rebels try to thwart the Empire. Ezra Bridger begins his Jedi training. A new alliance is formed and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap Season 1 of Star Wars Rebels. All right, we are back here. A little bit of a hiatus here for the Sky Guys. We are back in the mix. Taking care of some busy. We're wrapping up the Bad Batch Season 1. Also diving into Season 1 of Rebels as we continue the journey to the Book of Boba Fett in December. Joining me today... First up, as always, the man whose voice you just heard in our introduction here, Pete Considori. Pete, how are you? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. We're talking Star Wars. As I say, every podcast, love talking stars with you guys. Um, we had our Star Wars movie rankings, which was really fun. Um, I'm curious to see if you have any updates on what people thought after that podcast, anyone, any reactions. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about Rebels. I am too. And to say the reaction from the movie podcast, which we did last month with the great John Stanko, and that was a fun list here over the two movie rankings. And the reception's been almost universally positive. I mean, we got some feedback on the Reddit streams, on YouTube. Like, people dig this. That's fantastic. Also with us today, the 
Kanan Jarris to our Ezra Bridger here. Nick Fry is here. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, I had a great time last month, I guess it was, or yeah, last month when we did the movie rankings. I want to shout out John for joining us. He did a great job. I'm excited to have him back with us too in the future. And um, yeah, I had a lot. I had a blast doing that. I'm excited to get into Rebels. You know, I've been excited for this for a while. I don't like it as much as The Clone Wars, but I still like it a lot. I think it's a great show. And I'm excited about The Bad Batch too. Excited to talk about it. We have, I'm sure we have a lot to cover with both of those. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to stay in continuity order here in terms of like what shows came first. So we will start off here wrapping up the Bad Badge. I mean, the last I really talked about it on here was back when we had the Rex arc, when Rex shows up and gets them out ready in Taylor chips. I'm going to throw the spoiler warning up here. I will sum up the rest of the season for you about five sentences. So I'm going to get this dial up here in case you have not finished watching Bad Badge yet on Disney+. Plus. All right, here's what we got here. Here's the rest of the season of Clone of Bad Batch. The Bad Batch rescued a separatist senator from the Empire's clutches. We got the origin story of Hera, Sindul, and Chopper, who we'll learn more about in Rebels. That's two episodes. We saw the Bad Batch basically help Sid smuggle some spice away from a bad business deal she was trying to get away with. The Empire blows up Kamino. Crosshair is not an inhibitor chip, and he chose not to rejoin the Bad Batch. I think that's the whole season, right, Pete? Yeah, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head <laughs> with that one. That's pretty much what sums up the rest. Um, well, we'll get into reactions, I'm sure, so I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I think, obviously, we're not happy here with how this ended up. Nick, what, in your opinion, went wrong here? I don't think anything happened. I think it started the same way it ended. I don't think it was bad. I just don't think it was good. I don't think anything happened. I think they said, I think season, I actually very excited for season two. I don't know if you guys are still, I'm really excited for, I think it's going to be really good, but season one did, did nothing happen. We want, it was 16 episodes. It could have been six. Yeah. I mean, Pete, I think you look at it this way. You get, you give the premiere, you had them meet Sid, the Rex stuff and the finale. Do we need any of the rest of the stuff we got? I mean, maybe the whole crosshair doesn't have his inhibitor chip anymore and he still picks the Empire. Yeah. I think that is well, kind of important. Well, that's the finale, but, though. Right. But other than that, I mean, no, we don't we don't really need much. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Mandalorian season one. Um, you know, it it was still cool to watch. It's like, oh, look at these characters and okay, what's gonna happen next? And it kind of ends just like, okay, well. well Maybe Mandalorian ended with a little bit more of a bang, but it's kind of like, okay, no, we didn't really get much from this. It's like, okay, we've known that Grogu, or at that point, we only knew him as, as the child, um, is like being hunted and they're trying not to have him get taken away. So uh, it kind of reminded me of Mandalorian season one. We didn't really need all those episodes. It could have been like a, you know, a lot of the Disney Plus shows that have been coming out are 10 episode uh, seasons, even at 20 minutes. Uh, episode so maybe we could have went with 10 episodes i don't know but it a lot of filler in there not a big fan of filler yeah nick here's a because pete brings up a good point with the mando comparison even then mando season one was eight episodes and we didn't really feel like we had filler we was kind of going okay here 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 and then we're at the finale we had some fun here we had about six episodes worth of content they made it to 16 and i think part of the problem i feel like i wrote the blog post on this this week i wrote about what the bad bad season one review what i think went wrong with it i think the main problem here, in my opinion, is just the main guys in the show, the Bad Batch themselves. 
they do not do anything to enhance the value of the experience because to me they are the worst part of the show yeah this show shouldn't really be called the bad batch if it's this is a show about how the republic transformed into the empire and how the early days of the empire came and how they transitioned from clones into stormtroopers that's great but that has nothing to do with the bad batch i've here i've heard for years on instagram and twitter and Reddit and in person or YouTube, whatever it is, all over the internet, that everyone says what we need is a movie or a show about a group of rogue clones. Well, you got it, and no one cares about them at all. Any of them, maybe maybe one or two of them at tops. Yeah. But that that's if that's the problem with the show is like you just mentioned the main characters. But the the point of the show and the premise and what they're showing is great. But the way they're doing it with the characters is not hitting at all. It's almost like they don't need a main character in the show, and they can just show the like the the empire and the, I guess the early stages of the rebellion. You're not really getting that. You're getting that in Rebels, really. But at least show us something like that. That's interesting. But when you start showing us these clones and stuff, it doesn't work. Yeah, Pete, and and what sort of Bill on this, and something I mentioned in the blog post as well. I feel like this is a story where Dave Filoni, for the creator of the show here, wanted to tell like. Basically, season eight of Clone Wars, where we find out what happens in the early days of the Empire. My my theory here is Disney Plus said, we are not interested in that show unless we have a way we can sell toys and get kids to buy some merch and get some stuff to sell on here. And they said, okay, take these five clones. They're gonna we're gonna send them around the galaxy. That's what we're doing here. But they didn't do anything to develop these characters. They just used them as vehicles so Filoni could tell the story. Which to me, it's bad on Filoni for not doing enough with these characters to develop them into actual people we care about. And also bad on Disney for not realizing that these guys don't work for a story. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you when it comes to Disney said they want to attach something like, you know, a merchandising market out there. Right. Um, Obviously, this is giving us more insight to what happens right after episode three um, and or pretty much during episode three and also right after episode three. I have to say the comparison between the Mandalorian season two and this first season of Bad Batch, when it comes to what Nick just said, is is uncanny. Did anyone really care about the Mandalorian himself in season two of the Mandalorian? Or was it more like all the cameos that happened that was like, oh, Ahsoka, oh, Bo-Katan, oh, they're asking for, you know, where's the Darksaber? You know, that was in the season, you know, season one. But, like, I feel like there was a lot of that in these Disney Plus Star Wars series as of right now. Um, so I find that comparison uncanny, but you're right. Disney, I think just wanted to add that merchandising point on it. And they said, well, here's the bad batch. Maybe the ratings for those two episodes and back in Clone Wars were good. Maybe they're like, oh, wow, that's a really cool, um, you know, unit to, to maybe shed some light on. I just think they, it was poor execution. I think crosshair turned too early. I think maybe if crosshair was a part of that group for more and you, and you, humanize them a little bit more and then you see crosshair turn maybe mid season or mid to late season. Maybe we have a more compelling argument that the characters had development here. Yeah. I think Nick also to counter the Mando point here. I think the other thing that's interesting is Mando season two. Yes. We had all the references to clone wars and what was going on here, but we also had season one where we spent episodes with Mando seeing his perspective, what was going on, seeing him approach situations and handle them. Whereas here we just had the bad batch running into characters we knew would just the characters we knew drove the story, not them. That's the problem. It is. It is the problem. And I think really your main character in this show should have been Crosshair. 
and it would have been a pretty good show. Like a pretty good angle to look at it, I guess you know, is what I'm trying to say. Like seeing how this clone is battling his you know, self-conscious on whether or not he should be doing, you know, following orders, which it seems to be that's what he likes, or making a real name for himself and, you know, not being a number, as Hunter said to him. Yeah. So that's what I think would make the show better is if you, I always say this when we talk about this kind of stuff, we said this with the younglings and the Clone Wars, we said this with the clones in the beginning. If you give me one or two characters, it's a lot easier for me to connect than when you give me five or even six in this case. Yeah. It's a lot easier to connect. Yeah. And Pierre also thinks something else that's interesting is like in terms of the crosshair angle is just that he probably is the most compelling of the clones. He's, we're never with him because he affects the Empire. I think the I just said Nick in a YouTube exclusive chat we had earlier this earlier this month about this situation here. I, I said the problem I saw here is that in terms of the team's makeup. Like, Tech and Echo are basically redundant characters. They both fill the same niche on the team. Like, how much more interesting is it, like, if Crosshair stays and Tech is the one who flips over and says, you know, I believe in technology of the Empire, we're going to make a difference around the galaxy, bring some stability, and Echo has to try and fill Tech's shoes. I think that would be a more compelling story angle, having Crosshair be the one to flip because he likes to follow orders. Yeah, absolutely. I think there were more compelling characters to keep throughout the season. I mean, like Nick said, Crosshair is probably the main character of the season. Um, we're kind of waiting to see what his next move will be, or if he's going to finally catch the bad batch. I almost, I almost kind of feel like this season is wrapped around the empire and what they're doing instead of the, the rebellion. Like they're, um, they, they have this weird dynamic where I think they're trying to make it about the bad batch and what the rebellion, what the right thing to do is. But I, I kind of feel like it swings toward, how the empire is running things and this is the way it should be. And this is, you know, more information on the empire than is the rebellion is what I'm trying to get at. Um, you're right about the redundancy echo and tech have the same exact pretty much role. Um, I think it would have been interesting if maybe echo got involved, with the empire after knowing everything with Rex and everything like that, because he's such an established character within the clone wars. I, I still stick by my side. I still stick stick to what I said earlier that Crosshair changed too early. He he. It was it was just. I feel like if Crosshair on episode ten switches, and you have some filler episodes in the beginning of the season, but then have the last six episodes be like Crosshair hunting them down and they trying to deal with stuff. I feel like that would have been made for a more compelling ending to the season and also more maybe a more compelling season. Um, but. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there were so many other things they could have done that could have made it a little bit better. Right? But to your point, the tech and echo thing, and to Nick's point, Crosshair being the uh, the main character, it, it's all it's all there. Yeah, Nick, one other thing I want to throw out here also is something I mentioned in the blog post as well, is that there's one line in the finale, I think it sums up the show perfectly and why it's nuts and working. It drives you crazy. It's like when Wrecker is talking to Crosshair when they're trying to get through the tunnels and try and get out and get back to the surface, where Wrecker says to Crosshair, like, What's wrong with you? Why aren't you like helping us? And then tackles up to him and says, it's in his nature. He can't change. And to me, I'm like, that's the problem with the show. Like these guys are literally just character traits, not actual characters. We've got the leader, you have the muscle, you have the brains and you have the kid who is basically Omega basically filling the Grogu spot from Mando. And none of these characters evolve really beyond what they started as record does a tiny, tiny bit. They all stay the same. The rest, and that's a big problem with the show. Huge. Huge. I, I, Hunter had a good development, I think. Slightly. He becomes more, he basically comes from like his father. That's basically his whole role of the show. 
Yeah, uh, but that's that's something. That's I'll give you that. And that's good growth. I think records growth is eh, and I think tech and echo. I had I hadn't I haven't heard Echo speak in four episodes. I don't think. Yeah. And Tech is is like a computer. He's not really a human. Or I know in this case a clone. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly true. Um, I want to say this though. I have a def- defense for the show, and I said this to you off the air. Is when we first watched the Clone Wars. Um. When we first watched Clone Wars and we first watched Rebels, we'll get into this in a minute with Rebels, but in Clone Wars, we all right away you jump in and you see Ahsoka and you're like, oh no, it doesn't work. You know, this is I don't like this character. You know, same with certain character in Rebels we'll get to. And I don't think that's true for Omega though. I think Omega is pretty much accepted right away. I'm not saying I love Omega and I'm gonna go buy an Omega t-shirt or whatever it is, but I don't have a problem with Omega. I never did. She's just a fine character, and I have no issues accepting her to the Star Wars universe. So you're not going to have the Omega pop figure next time we do this podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Pete, one thing I want to get your take on here is like we didn't talk to you. I didn't talk to you about this one yet is the episode where we get the introdu- the origin story of Hera and Chopper, who are two of the main characters of Rebels, where I think it's episode 12 in the season, where the only appearance of the Bad Batch in the 22-minute episode is them dropping off weapons for two minutes and they leave. The rest of the episode is literally on Hera and that story. That to me was where I said, okay, they have no idea what they want to do. This is a problem. Like, what would you take on that specific episode? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same take that you had. I think they were just like, we could do something cool here, so we'll throw it into the newest Star Wars show that we've made. Um, I, I don't know why the Bad Batch didn't have more of a part in that first part of the arc, at least. Um like, you know, like you said, I think they just took 20 minutes to say, okay, people who've watched Rebels, you're going to like this, and we're just going to play to nostalgia instead of actually creating some sort of content. Yeah, it's a big issue. And in terms of season two, we know it's coming. They didn't ask the renewal here. Aside from character development, which is obviously the easiest answer on the board, what do we want to see here to make this show better for season two? Nick, I'll go to you first. A clone, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uprising, a rebellion. Yeah. It's obvious they're getting decommissioned out of the Empire. It couldn't be any more clear than blowing up Camino. Um, that's it's that that has to happen. I think that'd be very cool to see, yeah. and and potentially seeing Crosshair lead that. Yeah. Okay. That's I, I also have a prediction for season two is that Crosshair will give his life to save Omega. Okay, that's an interesting prediction, Pete. Any thoughts that you want? Anything you want to see in season two? What you want? We need to fix. So. There was a lot of action in this season, but I feel like there was a lot of meaningless action. And what I mean by that is the action was more like, oh, we're getting into trouble by doing this job because we need money to eat. I want the meaningful action where, you know, like Nick said, maybe there's an uprising of the clone troopers and there's actual fighting because they're fighting for something, not just trying to do a job like they're bounty hunters. Um, And I think they need to really play to, if they're going to stick with that no character development thing, I think they need to play to each character's strengths even more. I think Wrecker needs to almost be like the Incredible Hulk and just mess things up to an astronomical proportion. Let's see why these clones are actually the Bad Batch, why they've been super enhanced. I feel like, yes, Wrecker is more enhanced than a regular clone, but let's let's make them a little overpowered. I mean, that was the whole point of the Bad Batch, is to have some OP clones. So let's maybe they should play on that a little bit. Yeah, I also think we need to get them, like, Away from Sid. 
because Sid to me is the worst part of the show because the missions Sid gives them are very pointless for the storylines. You're going to go get a rancor. You're going to go deliver weapons. You're going to go rescue a senator. Like, there's like these stories are so random, they don't fit in. And it's like, we could just hire a bounty hunter to do that. Why are we wasting our clones' time on these things? The point of those episodes, and I'm not saying it worked because it didn't work, but the point of those episodes is to develop the characters, but they didn't develop the characters. No. Like, it would be useful if, oh, we learned, like, Wrecker learned a lesson in that episode, or Tech learned a lesson that not everything can be solved with his brain and he needs to use his heart, like, maybe something like that. And it just didn't happen. No. It never, ha- it never happened. There was no development in that. So those ideas, the episodes are ideas, like, I get it, the filler episodes could be to learn a lesson. That's usually what they are in shows. But we never learned a lesson. I do have a little thing here that I'm seeing online a lot. I don't know what you guys think. That... It's very possible people are saying, like, believe it, like, people say the opposite, that Crosshair still has his chip. You think he lied to them? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I believe it. I saw, I heard something that, do you remember when he was sitting and Omega went to sit next to him? He had his hand on where the chip was, and as soon as she got there, he, like, went like that, like, they pulled it away real quickly, like, oh, no, she saw me touching it kind of thing. So I don't know if that's just because he has some pain there from removing it, or if it's because he is lying about it. So I'm interested. I think he is the most interesting character, which is absurd because he wasn't in half the season. He wasn't even like, I think three quarters. More than that. Yeah. Like yeah. Three, about four episodes of the 16, I think. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a problem here. And let's do some quick wrap up stuff here. Like we usually do trackers of these seasons. Is there anything we want to track on bad batch yet or no? Uh, how many times Omega refers to them as family? <laughs> It's like a Fast and a Furious tracker there. I mean, you could throw in a cameo count. Yeah, I would say that's probably the best one. The, uh, the, the Clone Wars right. cameo count? Just anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, in, in terms of cameo count, like, in general, like, sort of loop, loop all together, you have Cad Bane. I just don't think you should count Tarkin as a cameo because he's actually pretty regular. No. Right. No, it's like Cad Bane, Saw Gerrera, and Bib Fortuna, the ones on top Rex. of Rex and Rex, Hera, and Chopper. You got six. So yeah, well. that's pretty. That's pretty significant having six. And then, if you wanted to include Gre- Gregor, you want Gregor. And if you wanted to include Tarkin, you're up to already like basically eight. Yeah. It's- Do you have a question for the both of you, if you don't mind? Yeah. Do you think that they're playing the Bad Batch being bounty hunters so much to try to incorporate more bounty hunters in the show? So do you think Boba Fett shows up? Do we think Greedo shows up? Like, like just stuff like that could be the opposite. Well, also with Boba Fett, though, like they gave you the big, like big apple in the middle of the season that Omega is Boba Fett's biological sister. Basically, they completely ignore it the rest of the season. So like, right. that's something that just also is if you're in, they give you that piece of information and don't and don't acknowledge it at all. I, I think they do acknowledge it, I would argue, but it's not direct. Yeah, I believe they're referencing that in the last scene. The post credit scene, if you will. There's post credit scene? No, no, no. Like it was before the credits, but it was like that scene where they, they had the Kaminoan uh delivered to the doctor. I believe that's there's supposed to be the nod to the Mandalorian. Oh, I thought that, that scene was basically them just trying to retcon episode nine again, saying oh, I agree, I agree, but if you notice that doctor is wearing the exact same outfit that Dr. Pershing is yeah, it was yeah. in the Mandalorian, and it's the same idea and i believe they're trying to use the blood of grogu which we have you know this is many years away but grogu and the aging or the de-aging of omega 
Yeah. Because she is the opposite of accelerated. Yeah. She has decelerated aging. Yeah. So the blood of Grogu and the decelerated aging of Omega creates a force sensitive being that can live forever, which is exactly what the Sith want, which I agree with you is what Palpatine's after. But I also heard it's interesting that it might not be about Palpatine. It might be more about Grogu. Yeah. We don't, Grogu's alive at this point. Yes. So there could be a nice way to tie him in to some other media. Cause I don't know if you're going to see more of him in the future being on how it ended. You might, I'm not sure. But you can always see him in the past. Yeah, it's certainly true. Let's sort of put, park that there. As you do for every season of these shows, we'll do MVPs and LVPs. We're going to do just two on Bad Batch because there's not enough content here, just like three MVPs for each or LVPs for each direction. So, Nick, you want to start us out here? Your first MVP for Bad Batch. Uh, I'm going to go with Wrecker. Okay. Excuse me. Sorry, not Wrecker. Hunter. Hunter. Sorry. Yeah, um, Hunter, because I feel as if we mentioned it, I think he's the only character in the Bad Batch who had decent development, and he's the leader, and I support him, and I stand by him. I watch the show, I root for him. I don't necessarily root for everybody else in the group, but I feel like I can root for him, and I'm not embarrassed to say it. All right, Pete, your first one. Um, my first one, I'll go with Hunter as well. Um, I feel like our top three are all going to kind of be the same here because I feel like there's slim pickings right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm going to say Hunter, he's a feel good character in a way of, we want to do the right thing. This is not us. Um, we need to make the best decision for the team. He's, he's, he's a good character. So I'll go with Hunter as well. I will give record one because for me of the, of the main characters, he's the only one who I'm actually mildly entertained by because Hunter is what he is. Echo and tech are the same person. One, only one that has lines every episode. So record is the only one I actually will laugh at some of his exploits. So record gets the MVP for me. I like Wrecker a lot. Yeah. I think he's a good character. I think he had a good development too with Omega. All right. And second MVP, Nick. I'm going with Crosshair. Okay. I think he turned out to be a great villain and not even a villain, like an anti-hero. And he's a very interesting character. And I'm interested to see how this turns out for him because we know by the time of the rebellion, by the time of even Rebels, Clones are not in the Empire anymore. So what happens to this guy? Does he become a bounty hunter? Do they kill him? Does he join the Rebels? Something happens to this guy. He's not in the Empire by the time the original trilogy comes around. And that last episode, I think the finale, he was very strong with a lot of strong dialogue, talking with Omega and Hunter. And I think he he, he delivered a lot of strong lines. All right, Pete, who is your second MVP? I, I hate to be boring, but I, I just have to piggyback on Nick. Nick said it all. Crosshair has to be my second. Um, just a strong character. And like Nick said, I really like the dialogue that he had in that last seat, that last episode. Um, so I hate to be that guy. It's just like, yep, I agree with Nick, but I mean, he covered it all. Uh, all right. So you guys have two on Crosshair. I'll throw one on Rex to sort of bring a, ca- a carryover from Clone Wars because if he doesn't show up and get the hero chest removed, they all are just done and the series is over. So Rex is the reason we still have a show. Rex gets an MVP. He did save the day. If that's how you want to look at it, he hit the walk-off. Yeah, he hits the Grand Slam and basically saves Wrecker from murdering the entire rest of the crew. True. Yeah. All right. Now the more interesting conversation here. The worst characters this season. Pete, would you like to lead us off here? Who's our, who's your first LVP? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> There's so the many. LVP. Jeez. I mean... I'd I'd have to give one to Echo. 
and and it, and it again, I hate to piggyback off what Nick said because it, I, I it feel like it's a lazy way out. But but what Nick said, I just I feel like he didn't really have an impact. Like I didn't really hear him a lot. It was just like, yeah, he's Echo from the Clone Wars. Like we know he becomes the Bad Batch at the end of the, those seasons. But it's like I don't know. It just was like very lackluster for me. So I have to give him an LVP. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback on that one too. I really have my notes written here for Echo. Can you name one thing he did the entire season? No. Okay, the one thing he did was convince Hunter that we sh- he, they should have went for that clone. Okay. That, that, that secret base. It's like the one thing I can feel like that stuck out to me. But it's only one. That is only one. That's that's problematic because he has 60 episodes yeah. of this character and he did one thing. Right. Nick, do you, are you joining the Echo train? I am. Um, oh, boy. No use for the character. Yeah. He, really, the show could have been the same exact thing. He wasn't there. Could have been better if he wasn't there. He made no impact whatsoever. All right. Let's go to the second one. So Pete, your last LVP of the season. Uh, last LVP. Can I, can I, can I say the writers? Can I say the writing? You can say the writing. All right. Only because I feel like the characters could have been a lot more. I mean, that whole story arc of that, that crime syndicate coming in and taking over um oh no I'm, I'm blanking on her name on Sid Sid yeah Sid's um thank you Sid's just like area and her bar or whatever her whole operation it was just like so whiny yeah it was like they took over you need to do something like it was just I, like the writing could have been so much better you know they had writers on Mandalorian that have wrote really really good episodes even if the characters are irrelevant I feel like they probably should have like tried to use that same energy i don't know i'm gonna yeah and 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 i think they missed a huge opportunity with having maul show up there oh yeah instead of it being a a random or maybe they want to save that i don't know because it seems like that's what they want to do like you were saying earlier that mandalorian season one kind of reminds you of this all the stuff that happened in mando season one that we were just like what was that it was a filler it was a filler a lot of it came back in season two it mattered like bill burr's character um, what's her name? I always forget her name. The girl, she was in this show too. Oh, Fennec? Yeah, Fennec. Her character showed up again, so that stuff might matter. Alright, Nick, you got a second LVP you, you have ready to go. Yeah, I want to go give it to Tech. Okay, so just doubling down on the Tech tech, yeah. tech characters. Yeah, I think that Echo and Tech could easily have been combined into one character, but here's the kicker. I think if they were combined to one character, that character would still get an LVP from me. <laughs> I don't think they have any point. Yeah. They could. They, it's like, it's almost like Omega fills that role. Cause she's the intelligent one. Cause I know she's a kid, but she's older than them. Yeah. She's older than she's the oldest of the crew, which by the way, doesn't crosshair look like he's like 60. Yeah. He does look like he's a very old man. Yeah. But she's the oldest of the crew. So she could be the, the brains of the operation, you know? So they don't need the brains. Brains part two and echo the muscle, the leader and the kid. That's too many people. Okay. I will close this out here. I'm going to give an LVP to the kid in Omega just because I do not love the idea of this character basically being their answer for, we need to have a Grogu in this show. We need to have somebody they're doing here. And Omega is a character is extremely annoying because her basically has the same one note the entire season. Like, like Hunter, you have to help them. They need you. And I was like, fine, we're going like, like the only action we get is because Omega drives it, and the action she drives is terrible. It's it's disappointing to be honest with you. 
it's something I mentioned and I've heard it so many times. Rogue clone show or movie. I mean, this is what you got. Yeah. And unless these characters are going to grow, like Rex grew throughout Clone Wars. Like, unless these guys are growing, this show is not going to go anywhere. I, mean, I think they're going to rely very heavily on cameos and action next season. And I think we're going to see at least two of the three in Ahsoka, Vader, and Maul next season. I, I would add Boba Fett in that mix, too. Yeah, he's still going to be young, though. Remember that. Yeah, but again, family relationship yeah. to Omega. So I, I think that that's one they're going to pull out for sure. Okay, let's sort of move oh. on from this dumpster fire of a show here. Unless you had yeah. anything else you want to add. Oh, Pete, Pete looks like he has something. No, I was going to say, would would he, wouldn't he be older? Not like too old, but like this is after Order 66. Pete, only, Pete, yeah. well, let's see. He was, he, was, he was a little younger in episode two. He was like 10, right? Right. So, so I would probably assume, like 15. Maybe, maybe a little, yeah. Because it's three years to Revenge of the Sith. And yeah. then I don't know how many years after. We don't know. We could be yeah, two yeah. years after. We don't know. It could yeah. be five years after. They haven't really given us a. A year for this. Could we get a which, time? Th- which they have given, they have given us a timeline on Rebels. That's what you're about to ask. Yeah, I was asking. I was asking. Could we have a time jump in season two of this? Would that help? Yeah. I I think it could help. Like if Omega is like instead of like ten, she's like fourteen, and we go up four years in the future, sort of around where the solo timeline is. Hmm. But then again, you lose maybe a couple. But, of but this years. is this is what so. No, I don't think you would because I think the point of the show is to see the transition. Yeah, you're right. not getting if you go solo time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. That let's, was my rant. Thought. Okay. Let's go on to the more fun show here, which is Rebels Season 1. And we jump all the way forward. I believe this is, Nick, you said the timeline. This is about four years before the A New Hope. So the first seven episodes are five years before A New Hope, and then it becomes four for the rest of the season. Okay, so it doesn't really matter. Just it's it's about five years before. Just remember that. All right, so just to lay out here, if you have not seen Rebels ever, it was basically the successor to Clone Wars. Disney Disney bought it. They canceled Clone Wars. They started this show, and basically, I think the let's talk a little bit about some of the main differences in the show because Clone Wars, I think they start you out a very confusing way. If you did not watch the movie, your first episode of Clone Wars is Yoda and two clones wandering around, and okay, they're fighting. They try and trick some battle droids. That's the end of it. Here, they do a very good job setting you up, not only with the shorts, so you can introduce the characters beforehand, which Pete and I, Pete, you said they were pretty helpful? They were. I mean, I, I don't think I needed them, but they were helpful. I still got a little bit of background. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they have these shorts, and then they give you basically your storyline. Okay, here are our main characters. Here's what they're doing. Here's what we're following for the season. I thought that was very helpful at the beginning of the, the, beginning of the season, Nick. It was helpful, but it's something you didn't, something you got because I mentioned this before. All these characters are new. We don't, we don't, assuming you watch this stuff in order, you don't know who Hera is. I know she was in Bad Batch, but we don't know that because if you watch this when it came out, this is about 2014. And same with um, Kanan. He was a Padawan in the Bad Batch and he was actually in the background on the Clone Wars in the last season, but you don't know that until that stuff came out after. So you don't know any of these characters. So it's nice that they, the way they introduced them, like you didn't get an introduce, you're not getting an introduction to Yoda in 2008. We know who Yoda is for almost 30 years at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And P, like, what was your big takeaway watching this season? What was your, your, some of your major differences with this show compared to Clone Wars? Um, I didn't get annoyed at the younger characters like I did Ahsoka. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, like, I feel like he had a reason for why he acted the way he did. 
I almost also kind of got like Aladdin vibes in the beginning from Ezra. Yeah, from Ezra, just like, oh, I'm just gonna steal from the market and right, like it just kind of was like, oh, I'm it looks Aladdin. like kind of looks like Aladdin too. Yeah, uh, true, true. So like, so it was it was like that kind of vibe, but but I just think, I think the rebels captured an annoying younger kid better than the Clone Wars did. I think the Clone Wars didn't really capture it that well, and I think the background of Ezra makes it more believable yeah. than just this annoying Padawan or anything like that. Yeah, and Nick, I think one thing I noticed that was a big difference between Clone Wars and Rebels early on was that, like, the entire season, they sort of had these this through line going through here of, like, things they were connecting to, and the filler stuff was coming back, like episodes like three and four like they had plot points where you're like sitting there like oh like why are we watching this and then all of a sudden oh like we needed that tie fire that zeb and ezra stole in episode four and it's coming back in the finale and stuff like that like they, they had more of a sense of like i think it's great of filoni having written six years of clone wars at that point and say okay we have a better job of doing stuff in the filler episodes besides oh here's just some random adventure that means nothing later yeah this show is much more linear Remember, I was telling you guys for like four months and four seasons. Oh, well, this episode is not in order, and this there's none of that. Everything's in order. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it's linear, but it's a good thing. And they definitely learned a lot of stuff from Clone Wars into this show. And this is probably a better, obviously, the first season. It's a better show. Like, I don't know if it's as entertaining as the Clone Wars is, but I think it's written better than the Clone Wars is. And I got to say, the one thing that's criticized a lot about this show, and it's not a big deal, but, and I'm sure you guys noticed it, it's, you know, we will get into this, is the, the way they make the lightsabers look in that show is so weird. Oh, yeah. I never understood why they're so skinny. I don't understand why they did it, but they did. Yeah. That was a choice. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I really think it would have been viewed significantly more positive like it would have been viewed positively more like viewed more positively if they just had lightsabers in a normal thickness yeah and pete let me throw this out here as well like of all the first we've watched the first season of all three big star wars animated shows at this point if you're making me go back and watch one i'm picking rebels over the first season of clone wars or bad batch again uh when it comes to story yes yeah uh, like- talking about graphics and stuff like that no. obviously you can pick bad batch every time because bad batch is so much newer but um like nick was saying very linear i i feel like i learned a lot about these characters um it also i think rebels had the luxury of having to explain things and the reason why i say that is because when you watch the clone wars i feel like a lot of stuff is just like well you should know these characters you should know what's going on because you watched episode two and i feel like that makes the story become choppy from that point forward because now they're just trying to throw a bunch of crap at you that you have to infer what's going on with rebels like i said i think they have the advantage of having to explain things and start from the beginning and saying okay this is why this person did this okay this is why this person is is important in this scene so i think that makes it for better writing in general but also too i think just from the experience of doing clone wars they just got better at the writing when it came to animated series yeah, Nick, I think one thing also helps show is that, like, unlike Clone Wars, where we have, you know, one episode, Yoda is the star, and then we had episode season one, we had, like, these random Jedi we never see before and never see again. They were a star of the show. Here we have six main characters. They're in every episode. They have something to do in every episode. It makes it much easier to follow what the hell is going on in this show. Yeah, it works, and these characters are, like, I... I... 
like the Bad Batch, you have six main characters too. But like these, the 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 point of the show is these characters, and the point of the show is not the Bad Batch, even though it's called the Bad Batch. Yeah. And it they the character it's a character driven show, and like you get to know these characters, and after even like four episodes, I felt like I knew everything about the characters, like their traits. I didn't have to learn about them anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They did a great job introducing them and a great job growing them to a point where. I'm still not a huge Ezra fan at this point, but better than he was in the first episode. Yeah, he, Ezra go, Ezra does develop as the season goes on. Like, yeah, yeah, and like we even get like little bits of like backstory for Sabine and Zeb are probably the two like least served characters in the season besides Hera, who like basically just flies the ship the whole season. You know nothing about her this season at all. But I think like even then you get a little bit of information sort of put in the back of your mind about those two. Yep. Um... They definitely uh, did a good job also at like kind of hiding what the show, like, I don't want to say this is a good thing. Now it is a good thing, but like most people consider this a bad thing, but I consider it a good thing is they kind of hide what the point of this show really is until the way end of the season. And the point of this show is seeing how it's called rebels for a reason. Yeah. In five BBY before the battle of Yavin, where we are at this point in the timeline, the rebels don't exist yet. And I don't know if like, that's really made clear enough to people there's individual rebel cells there's no rebels like as we know them as the alliance to restore the republic the rebel alliance as they call them in the movies like that doesn't exist yet at this point in the timeline and that's what this show is about it's about how all the individual rebel cells come together and become the rebel alliance and they kind of hide that pretty well up until the end and even at the end they show it but like that's that's not the first thing that goes through your mind when you're watching that finale yeah, and Pete, I feel like when we got that finale, which I think is one of my favorite parts of the season, is like we see them go get Kanan back on the ship, and then we see Ahsoka come come in and sort of explain what's going on with all these different cells. It sort of felt like to me like the post credit scene in Iron Man when Tony Stark goes back to his goes back to his his house after he reveals he's Iron Man. Nick Fury's there. It's like you just walked into a much bigger world than you ever know. I felt like that was sort of like very a similar. Power, very similar situation there. A- absolutely, and I I really like. That Ahsoka is the, I don't want to say responsible for the Rebellion Alliance, but it seems like she's one of the major players in starting this. Yeah, she's high up there. And and when we leave Ahsoka off in everything going on, she is very confused as to what the right thing is to do and what's going on. And we don't know if she just goes rogue, if she's just dealing with herself. This kind of puts that thing like, hey, no, she still cares about the good in the world, even though the Jedi are no longer around, quote unquote, when there's a couple that are still around, she's like, no, I want to help head the Alliance to stop the empire. Even though the Jedi order turned their back on me, even though I dealt with all this, you know, all this stuff in the clone wars. It's a very, it's a very cool moment. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Let's talk about some other stuff here. Some go some episode specifics here. So Nick, what was your favorite episode or episodes of the season? Um, I really liked the finale. Finale was really good, but I really, really, really liked the one um, uh, episode 10 when Kanan brings Ezra to the temple. Yes. That was a really, really strong episode, especially considering there's only three characters in it, I think. You know, I mean, the rest are on the ship of the gang, and then they disappear for the rest of the episode, aside from like yeah. hallucinations. Yeah, so it was a really strong episode, and Ezra had a lot of growth in that episode, and so did Kanan. That's, that's a really good episode. I just enjoyed seeing that temple and seeing 
kind of like shows you, you know, we're kind of thrown into this universe as in like the prequel era is over when we're thrown into this universe, which yeah. by the way, that is something that we failed to mention on the Bad Batch is their destroying of Kamino is literally in front of your eyes seeing the prequel era of Star Wars fade away. Yeah. That's how it started with the whole Clone Wars thing. But anyway, you're thrown into this universe where the prequel era is over and the original trilogy era is begun and you're known as the only Jedi that are left are Obi-Wan, Yoda, and and not even yet, Luke. And now we're, you know, and this is the kind of the episode that shows you that stuff still happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We still have Jedi. They still exist. There's some out there still. And it kind of reminds you that this is still Star Wars in the in the sense that there's still Jedi lurking in the galaxy. Yeah, Pete, I like this episode too, because I also like that I feel like I have my notes like this is the point where Ezra's character sort of turns around, starts becoming more like tolerable and growing a little bit because the first nine episodes kind of, he really is like a derp. He really is like a turd. The first nine episodes, like here's where he starts actually developing a little bit. Mike, sorry to cut you off, but there is one other episode I failed to mention that I liked a lot. And that was uh, empire day. The two part. I thought that, I thought that was a very interesting thing. How was like, they celebrate that as a holiday and yep. like how you can see at this point in time, at least, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people in the public view Emperor Palpatine as like a good thing. Yeah. His public persona, he does a good job at hiding himself. But that's, you know, please continue. Yeah. So, Pete, while I weigh in on that Yoda thing before you get to yours, or that, are uh, they on, on Ezra's developing after that he finds the crystal? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, I think his development starts at Empire Day. I was actually going to bring up Empire Day before Nick did. Um, Nick's 100 percent right. It's a very interesting episode, but I think his development starts in that whole arc where he's has a little hope that his parents may still be alive when they find that captured. Um, I forgot what the species name is, but he has all like the Empire secrets and he try to like help um do the right thing because he knew he didn't take care of Ezra and stuff. I think the development started there. However, that that temple episode is is I want to say quite rare in Star Wars. We don't really ever see, except for that one episode in Clone Wars and this episode, like what Jedi really go through and what kind of trials and tribulations they have before they become a Jedi. And I have to say, I appreciate it. And I think that this is a very cool thing to see because almost like what Luke does in the forest, Ezra does kind of the same thing here in the temple faces the fear, tries to overcome it and say you're not real. So it's it's a very it's a very cool episode and I and I actually appreciate it a lot. Yeah, what well, wait, was your favorite gonna be Empire Day? My my favorite was gonna it was gonna be a culmination of pretty much all everything that was said. I mean I really liked the finale. I liked Empire Day. Um but I did also like um I wasn't gonna put the temple as one of my top ones, but I did think it was a very, very strong development episode. Yeah, I thought those two were both very good as well. I'm gonna throw besides the finales, obviously he's great. The premiere itself is stellar. Like, the premiere is a lot of fun. You have a fun mission set up here. Ezra getting in the mix is fun. You sort of see that these guys are going here at the friction of Ezra sort of coming into conflict with his crew and then going on the ship and then finding out, like, oh, he gets captured. We go back for him. And then he sort of decides, I'm going to stick around, help these guys. Like, that was a fun little way to just get you right into the mix and say, okay, these guys are all here. Like, they have their things going on. That was a fun way to get us going. I, I, I like that, Bernier. I liked it a lot. I thought it was good. All right, let's go the other way. What are some of the worst episodes this season? Nick, you want to lead us off here? I was not a fan of the droid episode. 
actually interesting. I wasn't a fan of the Lando episode either, but I think it speaks for itself why I don't like the droid episode. I think we've we've touched on that more than other times, but I am happy at least that they threw 3PO in there to have someone who can talk. Yeah. Better than if it's just R2 and a couple other random droids just beeping and bopping the whole time. So at least 3PO was able to speak. And also the Lando episode. I don't I didn't like Lando too much. Yeah, uh, Pete, I'm sure you must have been thrilled when episode three of the season is droids. I, I mean, do I have to comment? I mean, I think we know <laughs> my, my answer is going to be to that. Yes, like Nick said, 3PO being there is is so much better than just having regular R units running around, but we, we, we got to get rid of these episodes. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. We talked about it prior. Maybe it's to appeal to the kids more or something, but like, we just got to get rid of them. It's just there's no room for this kind of crap anymore. I can't do it for another five seasons, whatever many long more episodes seasons we have after this three, four. I don't know. Yeah, so we got to We got to We got to That's that's the that's the least. You're telling me you're not dying for the episode where Chopper is the main character. Yeah, I, but see, here's the issue. I don't have a problem with Chopper, but if you guys own episode, yeah, I probably have a problem with it. Yeah, I probably would like because there's no like it's a droid like, yes, they're funny. They actually help. They are characters that complement other characters. But as a standalone character, unless you're 3PO and have lines, I just I can't get behind watching 20 minutes of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's also talk about that Lando episode, which to me was also I'm sitting here. I'm like, wait, what are we doing here? Like we are. We know Lando cheats on things. It makes sense. It's they they bring that point back in solo about how he cheats to keep the Millennium Falcon before Han tops him in the movie. But we get these things going on here. I'm like for, we always receive Lando's over a smooth operator. This plane goes up with these. It's like very, very like stupid. This episode. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to bring a character from the future into a show because you're not developing him. Unless you're showing like a backstory with, they're not, they're not showing Lando's backstory. They're just showing an adventure that Lando had. And if you're showing his backstory, I'm in for that. You know, I thought Solo was okay. We mentioned that in our movie rankings, but I enjoyed seeing at least the backstory of Han Solo. I don't want to see Han Solo five minutes before A New Hope. I don't care. Yeah. I think think that was more of a play to just say, hey, you've watched Star Wars. You know Lando Calrissian. Here's Lando Calrissian. Like, I think that was just the play. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, to Nick's point, at least with Solo, even though it wasn't the best movie, at least there's a purpose to the movie. Feel like there was no purpose adding Lando to this. At least we got to hear Billy D. Williams do the voice again, which was probably his first time in, in character since Empire Strikes Back. I right would think that was cool. Yeah, I think also too. I want to throw out there that just you know, I get they set up plot elements that play off later in the season, but the episode where uh, Ezra and Zeb are fighting and then they end up stealing the TIE fighter. Like that was a very, very pointless 20 minutes. So we did set the TIE fighter thing up. I do get that, but it was kind of, eh. and we also had the episode where Sabine and Hera go when we get the first mention of Ahsoka as Fulcrum and they go like to the abandoned rebel base and meet the Fryrocks or whatever they are. The creatures who are scared of the light. Like those were episodes. They did set up plot points with did pay off later in the season. But I did like, but not great. Did, as first-time watchers, did you guys know Fulcrum was Ahsoka at all? No, no. You had no idea. No, nope. I, I actually had a, I had a idea that it might have been Obi Wan. That was my, that was my prediction. I was like, okay, who would make sense to be someone trying to help 
Rebels. And because Ahsoka left on such a weird note in the Clone Wars, she didn't even come to my mind. It was I thought it was going to be Obi-Wan. It's, yeah, I, I was thinking about it the whole season, thinking, I wonder if they know. I wonder if they can tell. I want, I mean, they didn't give any clues or any like hints, really. Oh. So that'll, unless you just guessed it right, it really wouldn't have known. But I was just thinking, I wonder if they know. I wonder if they know. And I think when they had the hologram, they did a very good job disguising the voice. And like, you had no idea who it was at that point either, right? Yeah, so they gave you the side profile. I figured, oh, I figured, oh he must be a yeah. Jedi we know. And that's why, oh, maybe it's Obi-Wan. Yep. Yep. And I'm sure in 2013, when the show is airing, it's probably a big shock to the audience who has seen Clone Wars. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't think anyone. This is like 2014, roughly 2015, I think, season one. Yeah, they don't think anyone had any idea that Ahsoka was going to be in this show. I don't think any of these. I don't remember. I'm not sure if this is one of those shows. Well, I know they wouldn't spoil that because that was like the big reveal of the season. But I don't know if this is one of those shows like after the temple episode did they show lando in the previews at the end i don't i don't know yeah right yeah so my thing with ahsoka and nick you obviously you've seen rebels so you would know i just hope it's not a wasted appearance i hope i'm not saying i want ahsoka in every episode but i hope ahsoka is still involved and it's not okay you're you know your vulcrum maybe a couple episodes here and they're like i hope she's involved and i know nick you're giving like i'm not going to say anything but like something Lips like that, yeah, something like that. That's so like a big reveal for at least someone who watched the Clone Wars and liked Ahsoka's character at least at the very end too. For her to appear once or twice in five seasons is going to be like, well, why did you even go that route? Yeah, so I'm curious to see if she's if she plays a major role in the rest of the seasons. Yeah, it's interesting this track here. So let's go ahead to next part of our project here, which is. Our trackers here, and we are going to update the three that we brought along with us from Clone Wars themselves. We have the Han appearance still at Tang, as he had not appeared yet. And Nick has said he is coming. Yeah, we will see some Hondo in this. I, I I think I may have overstated how often, but I'll tell you, <laughs> it's at least a few times. All right, which is enough for a tracker. Yeah, the Dark Saber. We're gonna sh- is supposed to show up again soon. I'm imagining. So we have five still from from, from, from Clone Wars. Bo-Katan appearing as well eventually. We have nine from Clone Wars. See when she shows up again in Rebels. Yeah, uh, we're not there yet, but we'll be getting there. Now, this show is a little bit different. You know, I'm sure you guys know. There's only like 70-something episodes. So, we're, like, you know, yeah, we only have three more seasons. Only, this one. Yeah, there's only three more seasons, two full yeah. lengths, and another one about this length. So yeah. we're actually put a pretty decent dent in this show already. It's not like the Clone Wars where we had so many. Yeah, I will also throw, throw us in here the fact that Obviously, Sabine's a Mandalorian, so that's also a reason that it makes you feel like, hey, I feel good about those trackers that we, we kept going here. I'm sure those will be influenced by that. Yeah, and she's a real Mandalorian, too. Like, she's from Mandalore. Yeah. It's not like, I know, there's been, you know, they said in, in, in The Mandalorian, they looked at Boba Fett, and they're like, you're not a real Mandalorian. She's born on Camino. All right, so we had those going here. Let's start some new ones for Rebel-specific here. Nick and I talked off the ERP. I want to know what you think about this one. We're going to do a tracker for characters that appeared in the original trilogy, the cameo here, and one for characters that, cam- that debuted in Clone Wars, the prequels, and we'll see which appears more. What do you think about that idea? No, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, so to reset where we have here so far, in terms of original trilogy character appearances, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here. I have seven so far. I have C-3PO and R2-D2 from... They don't count for prequel, right? They're, they're in OT. 
If okay. they, they, that's where they're from. They're, where they're from. Right. So okay. when, when they first appear. When they first appear. So I have them for there's two appearances. Lando. We got three from Tarkin and Darth Vader. I'm counting only physical appearances, not voiceovers or holograms. So that's why you don't count um, that's why you don't count Obi-Wan in the in the holocron at the beginning of the show and Darth Vader in his first appearance or Yoda talking to Kane in the temple. Do you count well, obviously you do. I'm asking if we all agree with you counting Tarkin three times. He, I say yes. I say he shows three up three separate times. He showed up three separate episodes. Four, 13, okay. 14, yeah. and 15. Yeah. And then in terms of the prequel characters or Clone Wars characters, we, I had two. I had Bail Organa's physical appearance in the droid episode where he gets the droids back. And I had Ahsoka. Was there anybody I missed? Mm. I do not think so. I don't think so. And I have a question for you. Does yeah. Bail Organa count as a prequel or original because he's he's not in the original physically but he is are you going on physical appearance same rules here he, he, we 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 get the name we don't physically see him until episode actually you don't, you don't even think you get the name until how many did you have from bill organa uh i had one episode from him just the droid one right the droid he might have been are you yeah, sure it wasn't two i don't i think he's a hologram the second one True, true. I think hologram. he's because he's hologram. Soka's there physically. He's hologram. The finale. Oh, I, I, I thought they showed him on his ship. Okay, he was on the his sh- ship in the third yeah, episode. That's, that's the only time they showed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I when, see. When he gets C three P and R two D two back and pays the ghost crew. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's so there are two. The OT is at seven. So we're I think we'll keep those two going here and see what happens with them. See which which trailer he gets referenced more. Yeah, I think it's going to even out a lot. Yeah, because I mean, you've got I, I, honestly. I don't want to spoil anything. I think there's only two, maybe three more OT the entire time. Mm. Well, we'll see if you're right. I think. All right. And you're and you're you're putting Obi Wan in the OT. You're not yes. putting in the prequels. Okay. He, yeah. So outside of him, I think there's only one. I know for a fact there's one, and there's one that I'm not sure if we're going to count. All right. So we'll put him there, and we're also going to put here. I think specific for the show. I think. You would agree, Pete, that season one, I feel like every episode is basically either about Kane or Ezra, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any any plots for the other main characters, you know, and by main, I'm talking, you know, Zeb. Zeb, Sabine, and Hera. And Hera. All right, so I'd say we put a track here that every time they are the star of an episode, they get a, tra- they get a point. I mean, we're at zero I right now. Like, I feel like the show is just going to be about those two, though. Yeah, but I mean, you're, like, you'll like, get no, you'll get, you'll get, a, you'll get some, you'll get some. And I think this. Is I, like, honestly, I don't know if we're getting any Zed episodes. I'll be honest with you. So, do you, do you want to track how many are not about Ezra and Kanan? That's my, that's my theory here because those three are going to be okay. sort of be the ones that drive okay. the rest of it. So, right. So, not, yeah, if, I, that makes sense. Then, if you want to count how many they're not the stars of it, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good. Like the other three basically are sort of being the headliners here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, they're they, right now it's at zero because we got like a Sabine subplot. And a Zeb subplot, and we got nothing on Hera the whole season. Yeah, I don't. Well, all Hera does are you, really. Are you, talking, are you talking star as in we're learning something about the character, or that they're the main focus for the episode? I'd say more main focus, like like Sabine telling us a lie about how she doesn't, uh, she has to learn to trust people. Is not really a so like subplot. you wouldn't count Hera and Sabine going to do that old Jedi. Now the old Rebel ba- uh, Republic base episode as focused on them. I would have to reevaluate that one, Nick. But you okay. remember about that? Yeah, one. that that might that might classify. That's a good point. I did. It's 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 iffy because you're having 
you guys know how TV works. When you have four to six characters, you usually split them up in two or three groups and have them do their thing. Yeah, because like any, epi- any episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia works that way, where it's two of the guys and three other three go one way. And then at the end, they meet up and go, you guys are doing this, too. And that's how it always works. Yeah, it's, that one's a little confusing. I have to look back on that one. It's either going to be zero or one. It's not, I can't think of any other thing, any other thing where like they were sort of the only. Like, yeah, that would what, be the only. What if it is? what? So I'm assuming the answer is no to this, but I just want to confirm if. You have two people. One from Ezra and Kanan, and one not. It's still focused on Ezra Kanan, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like they're the ones we that we've established as basically the lead yeah. of this group. Like so Ezra like, and Zeb were together in that episode. That's still an Ezra episode. Yeah, right. Okay, because it's basically Ezra fighting with Zeb. It's not like Zeb sort of like driving the action. Right. You know, Zeb is the character that when I first saw him, when I first watched the show, I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> uh, he's pretty cool. I like yeah. Zeb. All right. I feel like he's like a pretty. I don't think there's anything to dislike about him. I don't love Zeb, but I like Zeb. All right. And just for debate, I know this was going to be fun because we're going to have different interpretations of this one always. Pete, we have noticed that Chopper is a very violent droid. He's such an ass. Yeah. He really is. I mean, he's very <laughs> violent. He's just like, oh, I'm going to throw this droid. I, yeah. I actually chuckled. I have to say, I chuckled when they had the messenger droid from the Empire on board. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we can keep him in like. Chopper throws him off the ship. And Chopper just chucks him off the ship. <laughs> That's like I was just like that's hysterical. That that got but he's a very violent he's, character. He's a real jerk. Yeah. So we are creating the chopper kill count because every time <laughs> Chopper murders someone, we're gonna add a, we're gonna add victim to the ledger. I like it. Because droids too. Droids too. Okay. Like, so basically, yeah, I love it. Like if the droid we see the droid alive after Ezra met, after Chopper messes with him, that's not like gonna count. But like the, like the droid laying in the field doesn't count. But like and what my, about like. It what about like him uh, forcing Ezra to fall off the ship and almost die? Well, Ezra's not dead, is he? So, so it's not attempted murder. It's, it's actual murder. murders. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so for here's what I have down. I went back through season one to track this because I was like, well, Chopper is very violent. I need to see what he's done to people. So what I have here, going back to the short, he blows up a TIE fighter. So he kills a TIE fighter pilot. He kills up three more TIE fighters in the premiere. So that's four. That's up to four. He shorts out the droid when they are trying to meet the senator, the senator traitor and shoves it down to shoot. We never see him again. So that's a droid murdered. And he sends four stormtroopers out into space in the finale. So that's nine already for Chopper. Wow. <laughs> I I think we should bet on whether or not we're going to hit 50. <laughs> do over-unders. Yeah. yeah. We should well, do an over-under on like 50 for Chopper kills. 50 and a half. Over and under. <laughs> yeah, we'll, set, we'll set this up here. Like who has more kills the end of their show? Chopper or Jack Bauer? Chopper or the ghost, yeah. or the ghost. like everyone and inclu- everyone combined. He's gonna outdo everyone else because that, because they've made a point that that crew is supposed to be non-violent crew, but Chopper's the violent one. Yeah. yeah. So I think Speaking Jack- of Chopper, if you guys have not noticed, Chopper and Hera are in Rogue One. I did not catch that. So I want you to Google. I will send you a link also, but if you, if you I'll, I'll send you the link actually, and we'll go from there. But Chopper, Hera, and the ghost are in Rogue One. Hmm. I gotta look at that. So, I didn't know. I was, I'll, send I was, you guys, I'll send you guys a link. So don't don't look yourself. I'll take care of it. I'm assuming. Right. I'm assuming it's a cameo. Well, it's if you remember, like remember when Jin finally convinces everyone that they should be going to battle, and then they yep. leave unannounced, kind of thing. Yeah. And then the guy runs out and he grabs Mon Mothma and he goes, "Senator, Senator." Yeah. Like right after that, they start preparing their forces. You see Chopper scoot on by or whatever he does. You know, wheel by. Yeah, and you hear on the intercom in the background they're paging General Sandula, which is Hera. 
Yeah, so Chopper's... So Hera's not in it, I guess. They mentioned her, but Chopper is physically there, and the ghost is at the Battle of Scarif in the air. So Chopper's going wah, 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 wah in the background. Yeah, he's just like, he just goes from one side to the other of the screen kind of thing, and it's clearly him. Yeah. Okay, and also, I did look up, Jack Bauer has 309 kills over the course of 24, so we'll see if Chopper can top that. I I think it's going to be tough. I don't know. All it takes is one massive explosion. He then blows up a ship or something. I could do it. Yeah. Good luck counting those casualties. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to put the chopper kill count at nine. So we'll see how chopper does over the course of the series in terms of murdering imperial forces. <laughs> and as always, we're going to go. Oh, to- um, sorry, Mike. One thing, Pete. I already told Mike this. I don't know if you know. Chopper is voiced by Dave Filoni. Ah, I do love Chopper though. Does he does good beeps and boops? Which is, yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go to now the MVP and LVP board. I'm going to throw up for reference what we ended Clone Wars with, which is seasons one through seven. Like the the Clone Wars board ended with Ahsoka as the top point earner there, along with Mister Maul was a very high score on the MVP LVP board. We had some also some negative ones down there. We had our bottom five there were the writers. The Jedi Council, the droids as a unit, the Investigator Douche, and Zero the Hut. So, as you can see, who will end up on these lists here this season? So, Pete, you want to start? I'll give you your first MVP for season one of Rebels. So, I'm going to go with someone that's probably not on the top of everyone's list, but I really like the Inquisitor. Ooh. Really, really like his character. Um, I don't know what happens past this season with him. But I really liked what role he played in this in this season. Um, I think it was it was almost a um, a Ventress kind of mock up, right? It was just yeah. kind of like a reskin of Ventress, if you will. I just think he was better. I just think he was more in tune with I work for the Empire, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mess some stuff up to try to find Jedi. Again, I think because of writing and where the timeline was for Ventress, it was a little more difficult to have that certainty. But I think I really, I really like the Inquisitor. Yeah, Nick, that's a good point. The Inquisitor also because obviously at the beginning of the show, these guys are small potatoes. Not saying Darth Vader after these guys, so it makes sense to have like a like a sort of an underboss have this be this Inquisitor guy. Absolutely, and as a whole, I've always hated the idea of Inquisitors. Yeah, always. I just don't like the idea. I think it's silly. I, I but. That being said, the Inquisitor is getting one of my MVP votes. I agree. I just, I never liked the idea of them, though. I just, like, I don't know why Vader doesn't need Apprentice. Like, it just, it just seemed weird to me that they had, like, many of them, too. Like, I know we have only seen him in this show, but there's a lot of them. Like, you played, you played Fallen Order before, Mike. I don't know yeah. if you finished, but there's a lot of inquisitors in that show. There's many more pop up in this show. Like I just, I don't like the idea that there's many inquisitors and like a whole Sith army. I, like, I just don't, I just don't like that idea, but this inquisitor himself is great. He's, he's a great villain. And I think he steals the show as the main villain when I don't think he's supposed to. Yeah. I don't think he is supposed to, I think it's supposed to be, they think they want Callus to be the main villain, but this guy's better. 100%. Yeah. All right, my first MVP, I'm going to give it to Kanan here, Kanan Jarrett, because he obviously, he, at, at the start of the show, he's basically buried his Jedi past. Says, I want nothing to do with it. I'm just trying to do what I can to help to help people out. And then he realizes this kid we found has potential here. I'm going to help him out. So he takes on this very annoying little boy 
helps him learn to start learning the ways of the force, even though he never finished his own training because of Order 66, which he learned in Bad Batch. And seeing the way Kane steps up to the plate here, good job here. And also an effective co-leader of the of the Ghost crew. So I'm giving Kane an MVP. Pete, your Pete, second. Go ahead. Uh, I how many MVPs are we getting for Three. this season? Three. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will. I will definitely give him the MVP as well. Um, I, I'm a little bothered. I'm a little bothered by him saying we'll get you to a new master to Ezra. Only because how many more Jedi does he think is around to just pick up Padawans? You would, you know, yes, it was like a fleeting thought, right? It was. It wasn't anything like too too serious because he was trying to to rescue another Jedi master. But it's just almost like. It, that kind of bothered me. It was like, I don't, obviously it's not working. So I have no faith in myself. So I'm not going to have faith in you. But then obviously he turns around. So it, that was good character development. That was just like the only thing I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, really? Like, you should be all in on this. This is like, you don't know how many Jedi are left. You know, what you just said is the reason I don't like the Inquisitors because they're fallen Jedi who survived Order 66. And it's like, how many people survived Order 66? Like, every time a new show or game or comic comes out, there's another right. guy who survived. It's like, who did they kill at this point? Right. Yeah, it's like they suppose there's ten thousand Jedi at the time of the. I forget who was in the show there. It's like ten thousand Jedi at the time yeah. or sixty six, and like that's what it make basically the amounts of like different Inquisitors and Jedi who were supposedly. I was around. always under the impression that there were two who survived: Obi Wan and Yoda. And then we've learned over the years how many more there were. It makes you know, sense from all the shows. It sounds like about like fifty to hundred at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, that being said, though, my second MVP is also Kanan. I think he's a great leader. Um, I think he's a he, he's kind of like an Obi Wan in a way, like kind of by the book kind of master. You know what I mean? And um, I yeah, I, I think he's 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 uh, well respected and liked by everybody on that ship. You could tell yeah. how Zeb seems to be like a badass, take no rules kind of guy, but he really doesn't take any like disrespect towards Kanan. And you see the same from. Hera, you see a little bit of a love relationship there between them. Then you see Ezra obviously looks up to him, and, he, and even Sabine. I feel like they don't really talk, to be honest with you. But even Sabine, like they all have respect for for Kanan. All right, my second MVP. I have to do it because I love this guy so much. I'm getting Chopper on the board here as an MVP because I'm just excited about the kill count. The kill count is great. Like he saves their bacon on so many occasions with like his stuff, and like he gets put in these spots that are like absurd. Like he's basically posing imperial droids. He's not afraid to get down and dirty with it, and he's got the sass that makes him such a fun character. I'm giving Chopper an MVP. He he is the better of the droids when it comes to that show. I have to say. All right, all right. So Pete, final MVP. I have to give it to Hera, and the reason why I do that is because she is the. She is the pilot that is really making sure they're all getting away safely. She's a fantastic pilot, as you can see in the show. But I also think she drives Kanan to teach Ezra. Yes. She's kind of the force. I think if if Hera wasn't behind Kanan saying like, hey, you really need to do this, it he may not have the confidence to do it, and he may not do half the things that he needed to do for Ezra. So that's why I give her the MV, the last MVP of the season. Yeah, she's the, she's the glue of that crew. She is she is the glue, but I think she's also a, a push. I think she's 
she's she's keeping everyone together, but she's also like the pushing Kane. Hey, you did the wrong yeah. thing, but let's go do it. I'm proud that you did this. You know, like it's like we will push through because I say we're pushing through. And like I said, she pushes Kanan to do the right thing and to 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 make sure that Ezra gets the proper training that he needs. I mean, obviously Hera can't do the training, but she pushes Kanan to do it. Yeah, yeah who's your final MVP? Uh, mine is Sabine. I'm a huge Sabine fan. I think she's awesome. I think she's badass. She's supposed to be like the, like the, the good looking one of the crew. You see Ezra falls for her immediately. Like Lando's like interested in her, even though she's probably like 17. <laughs> I think she is 17 at the time freak. of the shower. Right? Was- yeah, I think she might be 16 and Ezra's like 14, but either way, she's supposed to be like, you know, the good looking one. She's like, and she's badass. And she's a Mandalorian, and I love Mandalorians. And she's a strong female character. She is literally strong in the in a literal sense, like she's actually a strong person. But she's also take no nonsense kind of guy, similar to Zeb, but like a girl. Yeah, yeah. Sabine was on my honorable mention list because I have one guy I want to sneak on there on on the list here. Got Sabine, as you mentioned, the good points because like not only like a tremendous fighter, but also very skilled with like the tech. Also, like she's. Very quick with like the bombs and like the guns and the side and the and the stuff like that. She's really resourceful with all, all the technology has around her. Yeah, I think she's so cool. I like when that Lando episode when she had those two guys at gunpoint and then yeah. just shot and they ran away. Like she's yeah. badass character. Yeah, my final M- MVP on the board here. I'm giving one. I I hated him in Clone Wars. I'm giving one to Tarkin because Tarkin shows up in Episode 13 after. The ghost crew of these six got six people basically run circles around the Empire all season. Five minutes has them all in a trap, has has Kane in capture, and basically almost has the whole f- crew brought down. So Tarkin, good job there, buddy. You actually show why the Empire is actually amazing, not like a complete bunch of fools like Cal's have you believe. So Tarkin gets an MVP for me. Yeah, he's a lot better in this show, and I think he actually is just as good in this show as he is in Bad Batch. Yeah. I think he's pretty good in that show too. But his yeah. his Clone Wars was pretty bad. Yeah. So that wraps up the MVPs. Here, let's go the other way. Turns to the LVPs. Uh, Pete, you want to lead us off at the LVPs? Who's your first one? Cal's. Yeah. It's terrible. I'm sorry. Like, he's just the tryhard. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm the best. And he gets tricked by an Imperial recruit, some like young kid who's just like, yeah, you have a you have a package, even though it's not yours. <laughs> you should go check it out. Maybe you should do it. I didn't order anything. No, no, you did. You did. You definitely did. Yeah. And just tricks him for like a half an hour. So I, while well, Ezra like steals files, always he's just he's just a dunce. He just no LVP. Yeah. Nick. Uh, also, Callus, I have a few reasons here. Number one is everything Pete said. Uh, number two is he's supposed to be the main villain of the show, and he's not. The Inquisitor is, and. The main, the last reason is this is kind of spoiler, but it's really not. So I'll make it so you guys say this to me. So that way I'm not spoiling it. We heard a name in the Mandalorian. You know, this guy's in this show and he hasn't showed up yet. Gideon. Uh, No, no, not Gideon. Uh, So Ahsoka says this name in the Mandalorian. A Thrawn. Yeah. You know, he's in this show. We know he's in previous Star Wars material. So my point is they bring in another villain because this guy isn't good enough at being the villain after he failed and someone else took the, th- you see what I'm saying? They just keep like, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. And I will say this though, although he gets an LVP for me, keep your eyes on him. Yeah. I'm also going to add one to the pile for him because again, 
you are the commander of this Imperial battalion. This planet. You have all these troops. You have all these ships. You have all these weapons. You're getting run circles on by five people on a droid. And they're basically interfering with all your operations. You cannot ca- stop them. That's a really bad look for you, dude. But seriously, keep your eye on him. He's not done. All right. We'll keep an eye on him. So Pete, second LVP. So I don't remember her name. But she was the one that got tricked by Sabine in the train. She's like the Imperial governor. Oh, the, gov- Imperial- the, the governor of Lothal or whatever. Yeah. 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 She, she was just all bark and no bite. She was just like, what do you mean this? I go get like, it was just, she was just so annoying. Didn't add anything, but she was in way too many episodes. I don't know. I just, we yeah. didn't need, we didn't need her. Just like Sid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I just, like, we could have had maybe Tarkin in there more. We could have had maybe Callus in there more instead of her. Like, I just, I, I just don't think there was any need for her character. Like, they could have had other figureheads for Lethal. Uh, Nick, your second one. I have to go with Ezra. Um, he just didn't have a strong showing in the first season. I think he will grow on all of us. And I think he ends up being a nice, strong character at the end here but for now he did not have a strong season he did end much better he did but i think by the second third uh, the, the fine the, the third third of the season you know like the last third the ending yeah. yeah he was he was a good character but for the majority of that season he was whiny which was not the worst part of it he was like whiny but also like cocky and it was kind of like weird yeah like he was cocky about like nothing. Like an Anakin was cocky. At least he was, you know, Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. He was cocky about how he stole. What was it? They stole fruit. He stole fruit. Yeah. He was stealing like battle helmets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not that difficult. They made the store. They, they could not make the stormtroopers look any worse than they have in the history of Star Wars. And that's who he was stealing from. It's not that impressive. Yeah. I'm also dumping one on Ezra too because. The character is basically a turd for the first two thirds of the season. The point I said before, when he gets the crystal in the temple, that's when the turn happens, when he starts getting better. But I can't ignore how bad he is the first two thirds of the season, where he's very whiny. He's getting in fights with everybody on the ship. He's getting themselves into trouble. He's getting, he's basically taking on these really stupid risks. He's whining to Sivo about like how, like, you couldn't save my parents, even though Sivo's trying to help them now. So. Very poor attitude. Ezra gets an LVP from me. So I'm going to jump on that pile with you, Nick. And Pete, your final LVP. I'm going to go Padme. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go Ezra, but I want to make Darth Vader a honorable mention. He shows up, doesn't do much. I, I rather just hear about him. And then at the end, Tarkin brings him on to like take care of matters in his own hands because obviously no one else could. You you show a powerful character like that and then don't use it. It just makes no sense to me. So that's why I would give him an honorable mention, but I have to go with Ezra as well. Underwhelming, annoying. Yes. He hasn't, he has a reason to be annoying. He has a reason to be this kind of annoying kid who was left alone and he wants answers, but not much to show there either. And he's one of the main characters. So that's why he has to get the actual LVB point for me. Yeah. In terms of the Vader situation though, I'll point out with that. I get what they did there because a like this is a brand new property and your first scene is him on the hologram instructing the Inquisitor say hey go find the Jedi sort of get your exercise set there and because again he's Darth Vader he does not have time to go bother with five random rebels on Lothal that's what you have these stormtroopers for and then when he finds out oh 
they have Jedi who are proving problematic. That's when he decides, I got to get involved. That's when Tarkin brings in the big guns. I think that makes sense for how they used him in season one. I think the story makes sense. I just... You don't like what the writers did with it. To, to me, it's not even that. To me, don't show the character if the, he doesn't have a time to deal with the characters in the show, right? So, like, if he doesn't have time, he could be mentioned, right? The Inquisitors say, Lord Vader has instructed me to do so. But you don't have to show him on screen. Yes, new property. I understand you want to get that off fact. Look, it's Darth Vader. But, like, you show a character as powerful as Vader when you literally can just use his name and then show him the last episode. I mean, look at Rogue One. Vader was was a barely there, barely there, but it still had the same effect. Yeah. Like you, he actually did something, and there was some sort of reasoning for him being there. Some sort of reasoning. You're trying to make it go into the you know the whole New Hope thing. You know, Episode Four. Um, to me, if you're gonna show someone on screen, there's gotta be a purpose. And if he doesn't have time to do what you're saying he does, which I agree with you 100. percent there's no reason to show him. Just mention him and then show him at the end, like, okay, I need to get involved. Now you'll see me walking down with the breathing and everything like that. All right, Nick, your final LVP. Um, unfortunately, it goes against someone's MVP, and I always feel we were doing that. I have Hera. I feel like she was just the mob, and that was it. I think she. what Pete said, though, is very true. She drives Kanan, which is a good point. But... I feel like she doesn't really do anything. She just kind of like she's the echo of the season. Yeah, she just kind of there. And fair. she, I think she's like the mom. That's literally, I feel like her whole role. And the good news is, Hera is not winning the LVP in this season. In this series, this is probably the last time anyone's going to mention your name on this list. But I think that I was surprised rewatching, as in I haven't seen this show in. I don't know, six years or so. And I'm sitting there like, I thought Hera was involved more. Like I'm, I was, I was concerned. I'm like, when we're going to see more of Hera, I kind of like, I don't remember every episode. I forget probably 80% of the episodes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Unacceptable. So yeah, I just remember the key <laughs> plot points and like the big episodes, but like I'm sitting there thinking like, when are we going to see more Hera? When are we going to see more Hera? And it didn't really happen. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to throw out two honorable mentions before I get to my last LVP, which is number one, C-3PO is an LVP candidate here because he calls the damn Empire. Like, you're supposed to be on a mission. He worked for the Empire. Yeah. His whole thing was he was supposed to be on a secret mission to stop them from getting, like, ion guns. And he's like, come save us and you'll get the guns. (laughs) That was a bad one. You know him. He's a coward. Yeah. Yeah, he is a coward. Also, the other one, I didn't want to give it to him because this is, like, a lame character I'm pretty sure we'll never see again. Like, the crime, as Morgan, the crime lord that Lando is dealing with is like a very pathetic character. Like he's very oh, ineffectual the, the for big his pink guy. Yes, the pink guy, the new zero. Yeah, I don't remember at all. Actually, so this is interesting, but I would not be shocked if we saw him again. Yeah, well, he's not on the board right now. I'm gonna give the last LP to Lando because Lando looks very dumb in his entire episode here because he's a very convoluted plot to steal this like puffer pig and then. He lets Chopper steal his fuel at the end of the episode. And like Lando is sort of like, well, I'm going to trade Hera away to and not tell her the plan. And she'll figure out the plan. Like, I don't know what Lando was like. Sounds like Holdo. I don't know what drugs Lando was doing here, but like Lando was not on his game. (laughs) I mean, can we make the argument that that's just what Lando is? I mean, he's supposed to be that kind of like sneaky, kind of devious 
like I don't know. I, I kind of felt like he was within his character, but he was it, it, it was a little over the top. I have to say that, but like I feel like it was kind of within what he is. Yeah, because I feel like they were trying to lean into like, oh, he's a charming son of a gun, like, and he's gonna win them over by being smooth and like all that. But like, he was way over the top for Lando. I think Lando's thing that he kind of developed in the Empire Strikes Back is that he subverts expectations. Yeah, and they were just like trying to make him subvert expectations, but it like too much. Yeah, this episode, but they didn't have to do it. They made a cartoon version of himself, literally. Yeah, like not even the fact that he's animated, just the fact that literally he has done things that like. Like it's just slapstick plans, like literally landing. You know, based on the fact that he's smart enough to basically cheat his way through card games, he's got to have a more developed plan than oh, I'm gonna trade a pilot for a pig and then just hope that I get away with it. Yeah, seems like a. I think the animation in this obviously because it's newer than the Clone Wars, but even the late seasons. Of Clone Wars, I think the animation in this show is better, but I don't mean what I mean to say is the character models. Yeah, I think like remember what remember what Count Dooku looked like in the Clone Wars? How ridiculous oh. he looked! Oh yeah, like all these characters look pretty realistic in a way. I mean, obviously they're alien species and stuff, yeah. but they look like you can convert them to live action, and it would look it would look okay. I do like Ahsoka better in the last season of Clone Wars than this season of Rebels. I have to say, she is like, though. You have to remember, character. she's like fourteen years older. No, yeah. no, I know, but her face is like so much longer. Like it just doesn't. It almost looked like a Count Dooku thing to me. I don't know, maybe because I'm so used to seeing Ahsoka have a certain character model that now it's switched. Since like, wait, what? Yeah, um, this, this is also closer to like what we see when Rosario Dawson plays in live. No, action. you're right. No, you're you're 100 right. I'm not saying it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. I just yeah. I think I prefer the character model of Ahsoka in Clone Wars. I think it just looks more realistic. I'm not saying that it's not following. Yeah, is her it, age or what is, she actually looks like in Rosario Dawson's, Dawson's character and all that. So, all right, so that's our LVP board right now, and we usually do a season rankings here, but this is our only one so far, so it is one of one. And we can all agree on that. I'll put the season one ahead of the shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, well, like I have loop season one in with the shorts. You want to do that? Fine, you can do that. Yeah, why not? All right, because if, are- if any season falls below the shorts, there's a problem. <laughs> That was like if any season of Clone Wars fell behind the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which that which we don't need to revisit that one again. To be, to be fair, the shorts weren't bad. They were just it was 12 total minutes of four of them. Yeah. Can I, can I make this interesting? Yeah. Where would you guys rank Rebels versus the Clone Wars seasons? Where in there would you put them? I would probably put it somewhere equal to season four of the Clone Wars. I think maybe one below it. I think the same thing right around that spot. I think, yeah. I think I put it above season four. It's not, this is not peak, peak clone wars where five, six and seven are on a different planet than this is, but it was good. Okay. All right. I, I was too. I was just curious what you guys thought. Yeah. Before we get to the odds and ends here, Nick season two, 22 episodes coming here. What do we have to look forward to? Season two of this show is very good. About halfway through this season, we get a big episode. And I'm going to go on record, Mike. You can put this all over the internet. The finale of this season is the best episode. It's a two-parter. The best episode of animated Star Wars ever, and it's not even remotely close. Even ahead of the, the epic uh, Clone Wars finale. You say I, think, like I think it's much better. Interesting. I think it's not even close. Wow. I think it has one of the most powerful moments in all of Star Wars in it. 
That's really high praise. Yeah. We know how much you love. I've said that about this show. I've said that the highs are higher. The highs in this show are really, really high. Yeah. But there aren't as many of them as there are in Clone Wars. Okay. So that's something we have some stuff we look forward to with season two. Two more odds and ends before we go is number one, the Star Wars Hotel at Disney. Have you guys seen this? I have. Kind, kind of. And right. I have considered it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to try and get this screenshot up here of this hotel here, which is like so absurd. I mean, I got to. I've seen the pictures of the rooms. Yeah. The, the drawing. I mean, actual pictures of rooms yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The price of this thing is basically it's an immersive Star Wars experience. Where you get to go, you, your hotel is basically like a ship. You're going through all these experiences. You go to the Star Wars park. You play games. You build lightsabers. You go on missions. All for the whole about like four grand a night at minimum, which is absurd. Is this a night or four is, grand the experience? I think a night. Fonya or Florida? Florida. Florida. Okay. So I am looking. I it was four grand for the whole experience. I saw it. I see it's six grand for two nights. I see here two guests. Like these are the dates I have on their site right now. It's from August 2022 to 9-17-2022. For voice partial dates, most weeknights, two guests per cabin, twelve hundred nine dollars per guest per night was forty eight hundred dollars per guest per night. So forty eight hundred dollars per for the voyage total. So it's but split between two guests, forty eight hundred a night. Wow, and three guests. Like fifty two ninety nine, eight eighty nine a night per person. Four guests. I feel like, I feel like that's not going to go over too well. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah, like a lot of people are like, ah, I don't want to pay that money for that. Like, it'll, yeah, it'll make it cheaper. There's one thing if something's expensive, like you know, sitting at a right close up at a baseball that's game a or something. But this is like this is like <laughs> buying a this is like buying a car. But well, here's <laughs> the issue. The issue with this is it's not a seven day experience. It's, it's like a, two days, two nights. So I don't think anyone's going to fly down to Florida just for that. So to spend the money to go to Disney World and then do that on top of it, I, I just I don't feel like a lot of people will do it at that price point. I mean, if they dropped it down for like a thousand dollars a person, right, for the two nights, I could say, all right, that is expensive, but it's not as bad as forty eight hundred dollars a night per room. Yeah, which I is mean, that's nuts. But to me, it's like they're like these stars made are crazy. They'll buy anything, like and, and yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's like, for me, it's like they get you like. And they're only doing it those dates. That's the dates that I had available. Like they're still doing okay. plenty. It's like it's a, it's right. a separate hotel that's opening. Like, I don't think I don't think it's going to last that, at that I, price point. That price is going to have to come down. Put, if they're going to put all their marbles into this and they need people to actually do this regularly for it to not close down, they can't charge people that kind of money. Yeah, it's it it's literally like buying a car every every time you go. Yeah, like, it's craziness. You, you have, people have to finance that for years. Right. If you if you're gonna do this for the whole season every year and you want this to be a thing for a few maybe even 10 15 years being experienced with the park you, you have to make it a lower price point yeah. if they would have said we're only doing this for like a month okay sure. you'll get the Star Wars freaks to go out do it hey I'm spending that money I don't care because it's never gonna be like that ever again okay I can understand that price point but if you're gonna do this for the length of the park there's no way in hell you're gonna get people consistently to spend 10 grand for for yeah. two people 10 night like two for two nights that makes no sense i agree i also think with that it's like you see the stuff there it looks cool but at the same time it's again it's two nights like 
If you I could go to Galaxy's Edge, spend two hundred bucks to do the lightsaber and the droid, and, and st- stay and stay at the resorts and probably s- still spend less money for the whole thing than the it, two nights that are there. I mean, yeah, I can have a whole Disney vacation plus buying the lightsaber and the droid, and probably and probably drive down to Universal for a day too. Yeah, I mean that I, that they can't keep that at that price point. They can't. It won't work. It's obscene that price point. It's like like they're especially for just two nights. Like if it was like a week, you stay at the hotel. I'm like, okay, I can buy that because that's like a much more reasonable per night rate, and you can maybe space the activities out. But yeah, it's still not reasonable per night. But it's it's it, it it's, makes a little more sense if it's forty eight hundred dollars. Divide that by seven. Let's say six nights you're staying there. That's what like six hundred a night. Oh no! If it's at the forty eight hundred dollar. Uh, Mark for seven nights, yeah, it makes sense, or six nights, yeah. But if you're gonna do ten grand yeah. for seven nights or six nights, it makes no sense. No, it doesn't. I think this for me is like I'm dying to see how long it lasts before you start seeing like on the news like the price is dropped down to like half of this at least. It's gonna it's gonna be more than half because still at five thousand dollars a night for yeah. two people, <laughs> yeah. Who the hell is doing that? Yeah, I mean, we look honestly, honestly. That's like I'm, I, that's like more expensive than my honeymoon. Yeah. That should tell you something. That should honestly tell you something. Because yeah. honeymoons aren't cheap. No. <laughs> like that. It's really that's like significantly more expensive than my honeymoon. Yeah. It's like who is buying this experience? Who I'm can afford to, this? I'll go to Italy for my honeymoon, and it's like a third <laughs> of the price. That's nuts. <laughs> that's just absurd. Oh I mean, that's really bad. The other thing I want to touch on. We're gonna mention this briefly next time we come on here. They released the trail of the next Star Wars product on Disney Plus here, the animated shorts, Visions. Nick, I know you were excited about this. Yeah, this looks cool. Anything with the name Star Wars in front of it, I'm excited for. I um, I guess it's like all different stories yeah, it's like, I'm gathering. It's like basically nine like anime-style shorts. Yeah, I mean, cool. Something different. You know, something different. And, and, and also, like, it's nice to get a break from heavy material for a little bit. Like, we had, like, a nice six month break from when the Mandalorian ended to when the Bad Batch started and they gave us time to like watch Clone Wars and stuff. It'd be nice to just have an episode that's just gonna be rebels. And then yeah, we'll have we'll have that those shorts in there too, but they're not gonna be much to talk to, to touch on. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. P you excited for this? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really looked into it too much, but like Nick said, anything that has Star Wars in the title, I'm I'm curious about it and we'll definitely watch. So um it's something that I, I will definitely give a chance. Yeah, that's that's fun. The last thing is obviously we're in sort of the what if era of of Marvel now. They have the animated show out. Two episodes of Drive. Not seen the second one yet. I was talking about this to Sandra Rose on the podcast last week. I think it'd be fun if we saw a what if in the Star Wars universe. Nick, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I completely agree. I'm in the same boat as you. I saw the first. Haven't seen the second one yet, but um, I would love that. And if I had to like pick, so I don't want to pick the obvious one. Yeah. The obvious one Jeez. is what happens if Anakin didn't go bad. That's very, 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 very clearly the obvious. I have one. a good what if. So my what if is what if Mace Windu survived? That'd be fun. Where is he? What's he up to? You know, but it, it, it kind of sucked because we know how the story ends. So yeah. it's like, well, it wouldn't have mattered because the good guys won anyway. Yeah. You know, but. I would like to see that. Pete, what's your what if? Uh, what if Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord? That was the one Sandra Rosa brought up last week. I think oh, that's, that's not that's not a what if. That's true. 
No, but like, <laughs> what, what would it look like? Uh, another what if for me would be what if Padme wasn't a senator? Or what like if George Jar never voted emergency powers to the chancellor? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, the, the reason why I say what if Padme was never a senator, like, I wonder if the pressure of keeping things secret and stuff like that would have been as great with Anakin and every, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if there would have yeah. been. They had to keep it secret because she was a Jedi, but they had to keep it more secret because she was right. a senator. And also she had a hand in it and he would get mad because she had different opinions. Like, I wonder if she was just a, a regular civilian that didn't really, I don't want to, you know, say had a hand in anything, but like was just there. Like, I wonder if that would have caused as much tension. I have a fun one as well here. What if Qui-Gon survives the Phantom Menace? That's a good one. Because we know he's the one who wanted to bring Anakin into the, into the Jedi Order against the advice of the Council. So it would be interesting to see like how that plays out if he's the one who actually gets to train him. Yeah, if, I had a, if I had a guess on that one, I would think that Anakin would never turn to the dark side because Qui-Gon would be more of, or less of a by-the-books leader and it would work better for his right. style. Right. You know, we, I feel like Obi-Wan doesn't really get any flack for Anakin turning bad. Like, even when we talked about, like, we never, like, it was Obi-Wan's fault. Yeah, because Obi-Wan was very by the book, and it right. and it, didn't me- it didn't mesh well with Anakin's style. No, I think Qui-Gon being there would be fun. I think that would be very interesting yeah. to see. And, like, if something else happens here, because yeah, Palpatine is still there also manipulating Anakin from the sidelines. So you do think, especially the Clone Wars happens and stuff happens, and Qui-Gon, like, dies in the Clone Wars instead, and then Anakin's more susceptible that way. So, like... You want to make things turn out slightly differently. It's interesting to see that thought experiment play out. And you see, or somehow he turns anyway, old man Qui-Gon is there training Luke Skywalker. Yeah. But to, to be more realistic with it, from what I've seen, I know it's only been one, but I know what the second episode of What If is about before yeah. I watched it here. Yeah. It seems like how, the, if it, let's say whoever is making this show, I guess Marvel, I don't know who's actually behind it, but you know what I mean? If the same group of people were writing this show for star wars i think what they actually would do like not saying what i want what i think would actually happen is what if luke was adopted by bail organa and leia went to live with the family on tatooine i think that's what they would actually do yeah that one i could see and leia would become the jedi and luke would be the senator i guess or yeah i guess leia was a senator right yeah yeah yeah, another one, another good one I could think of. Just trying to think of ideas off the top of my head here is sort of like, like what, like trying to hear like, what if Boba Fett became a Jedi? That was another one I could see them thinking about. Or what if Palpatine survived? Oh wait, apparently he did. <laughs> well, how about how about this one? What if Maul actually died? Or what about yeah. Clone Wars era? What if here's the what if it comes right out of Clone Wars? What if Maul's plan succeeds? Hmm. And 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 Ahsoka becomes Maul's apprentice. Know, yeah. But what if what if uh, Obi Wan Kenobi did join Count Dooku? Yeah. Was I, was Dooku telling the truth in Attack of the Clones? We never. Would know. he have teamed up with Obi Wan and took down Palpatine, and then he probably would have wanted to rule the galaxy himself? Sure, but I think he would I, have. I, I think he was telling the truth. Yeah, because that's the Sith way. You always plan to overthrow your boss. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a those are some fun what ifs. We'll keep. Keep an eye on this show. See if anything strikes our fancy in the future. But I want to thank you guys for coming. I really appreciate it. Pete, have you follow social media? Keep some of the stuff you're up to. As always, Twitter at PJConsidori29. Always retweeting this podcast, a lot of Rangers stuff. Just as a little sneak peek um, that you probably will see as this comes out. 
the NHL 2022 trailer comes out, I believe, tomorrow. We're recording this on the 18th to the 19th. Um, and a New York Rangers logo was premiered in that trailer. So we're thinking that maybe Artemi Panarin or Adam Fox is going to be that um, cover, cover, athlete. cover athlete. So that'll be a little prediction to see what comes out tomorrow. Again, Absolutely. tomorrow, meaning when we've recorded this. Yep. And we'll, be out, we'll have that knowledge out by the time you actually listen to this. And Nick, yep. I know you had some, some people interested in your time on the Reddit streams after the movie podcast, but you're still collecting followers on Twitter. You're not ready to give it out yet. Yeah, still collecting the followers. Um, you know, leave it down below and I'll see what I can do. But um, I'm really excited about this journey we've taken, obviously, so far. And I'm really excited about the future. And I want to make sure you guys remember when you're sitting there watching season two about what I said about the finale. And whether you agree or not, it's another story. I think even if you disagree, I think it'll be close. I don't think anyone's I don't I don't know if there's anyone in the world anyone will dislike it, but I'm excited to I'm really excited to talk about that. That's like one of the moments. It's my favorite moment in all of animated Star Wars and close to favorite moment in all of Star Wars. A lot of rewatchability there. Absolutely. Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it all the time. It was a blast. Thank you, Mike. All right, that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Bill Bender, for calling in to talk all about college football. If we have fun the year this year, we'll see what happens as the big games come in the coming weeks. I also want to thank the Sky Guys, Pete Constor, and Nick Freyer for a very long chat talking the end of Bad Guy Season 1, Rebel Season 1, some odds and ends as well. More good stuff like this podcast, including the aforementioned review of the Bad Bad Season 1 finale. And again, a lot of fun stuff in there. My detailed thoughts on the show. Check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon. All the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform. You can follow episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and star rating. Well, help make the podcast even better going forward. You have a chance. Go on your favorite app. Leave the five-star review. Get in the ears of more listeners. Help the podcast grow. That'd be great. Also check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The chats with Bill and the Sky Guys are both going to be up there. So check those out if you are interested in the video version of the Sky Guys, especially a lot of fun stuff in there. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. One more plug for the YouTube also, Mike Phillips on YouTube as well. This is also going to be a two-podcast week. I just want to let you know that coming up later in the week, we're going to be joined by Chris Otto, tennis writer, talking U.S. Open, out in Flushing Meadows, starting this week, Novak going with the Grand Slam, John Stanker for fall movies and more. So I hope you have a better week than Orioles fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.